0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first of this round of the interseason episodes from us, the Sequelizers. Don't worry, I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me also, as always, it's Matt Stockton. I am Dotar Sojat. <sighs> <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, Matt. I'm sure he's literally no that, like, one procre- got that reference. claim that and like, be
1: really happy with that status, but yeah. it's just given like he's, you know, like he's
0: collecting his yeah. kid from a creche and hates the child. Yep. And joining Matt and I, as always, it's Tim Matum. Ark O'Hum oh Octae
2: okay, Weez Sequelizers. <laughs> <That> <laughs> what planet clever. would
0: you be transported to? The, the Sequelizers planet where the, the alternate timeline of all My these house. bad sequels <laughs> has been fixed. Yeah, exactly. Take yeah. me to that timeline. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't experienced an interseason episode before, welcome. We've just finished season eight with our enormous, enormous star wars episode nine (laughs) fix of that bad sequel and now we get to talk about other stuff we actually don't necessarily be fixing bad sequels this time we be talking about a sequel we would like to see which is a thing we've done before we this is kind of a recurring uh theme of an episode in our interseason segments and uh we've done power rangers before we've done dread before we've done hellboy before. Not that Hellboy, the other Hellboy. <laughs> now it's time for us to talk about 2012's box office flop, John Carter. But before we get to talking about John Carter, why it failed, and how we'd like to do a sequel, let's give thanks to our lovely, lovely little patrons, shall we, gentlemen? You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, and you can get ad-free episodes, you can get early access, and during this interseason, you can get bonus episodes not just outtakes you get actual full episodes just dedicated to our lovely patrons you can also get exclusive merch you can also get discounts on merch and if you go up to the higher tiers you can become an executive producer just like these wonderful people did he is dark he is daughter soldier addy steen
2: Virginia.
0: Virginia. Jonathan Firth Clark. Go, <laughs> for Ope Tu Mike Salvia. Virginia. Suck.
2: Solid Suck Cachach.
0: Josh Van der Sluis. Narsola J. Chultam Hock Lenners. Our latest executive producer, Michael Belcher. Virginia. Lord. Lord. Again, Josh Miles. And of course, Zenos. Darks did not cause this,
3: but by Isis, Darks will end it.
0: <laughs> Thank you for your support. As always, we very much appreciate our executive producers and all of our lovely patrons on patreon.com slash So, shall we talk about the box office flop that was 2012's John Carter gentleman?
2: I believe currently holds the the record for the biggest flop like of all time. This has lost the most money. Uh, yeah,
0: it is one of the biggest box
2: office bombs in history. So
1: we should uh, talk about the history of this film because Um, We'll get into John Carter itself, the property, because that is a very important property for cinema in general. People just don't seem to realise it. But a lot of what is reported as this film failing is a little bit of a misnomer, and it's a bit unfortunate, so I'm just going to give you a bit of a history lesson. So, first things first, this movie is directed by Andrew Stanton. Andrew Stanton is, frankly, a very important figure in most of our lives, without us even realising it. Because he wrote... All four Toy Story films. He directed Finding Nemo, and he directed Wally. And uh, just Toy Story alone is a huge, huge, important part of cinema, just because of course the branching off from Pixar and Disney, all that sort of stuff, pushing the medium forward, pushing from from hand drawn animation to CGI, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and those stories cut people through and through because the emotionality is amazing. And 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 when it came to find Nemo, when it came to to Wally, Disney said, "Hmm, I don't think this is going to work." And they, those two are like some of the, the best that, that Pixar and Disney have to offer. And they've, recently he directed Finding Dory, which is, is fine. Um, so when he got his first live action feature from Disney, he's like, I'm going to do this property John Carter. It's like, yeah, OK, fine. We don't think it'll work. It's like, yeah, I know. But we said that about everything he's done. So let's just give him the money. What does he need? He needs 150 million, whatever it is. It's like, OK, fine. Give it to him. And he goes off and makes this thing. Now, the interesting thing, as I said before, is this is his first live-action feature film. And he directs it like it's an animated movie. And the way you do that is you film it, piece it all together, prop it up and go, hmm, yeah, okay, this needs work. This needs to be filled out. We'll do it again. We'll film bits and pieces. And they do back and do reshoot intentional reshoots. I mean, cost a lot of money, obviously. 70, 80 plus grand, whatever it might be. Um, a grand. 70, 80 million, I should say, Sorry. And it was <laughs> grand almost care. So, so
2: seventy grand a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And this is the key point because this was then reported from the industry standard of like, oh, that must mean it's bad. That must mean there are problems. That must mean it's a disaster. It's like, no, the in the the
2: company was happy with it at that point. Um, the problem was twofold. Well, it also it shows how far we've come mm. in just like nine years because now it's completely expected like every marvel film has reshoots and i think people have got Mm -hmm. to the point now where they go oh it's not because it's bad it's because you just sometimes you you get to the edit and you go oh fuck you know what we really need we need a scene where these two meet up earlier in the film kind yes. of stuff and or ah, oh, fuck the lighting was off and we've realized that to do the special effects on this we actually need some some in-camera lighting that we didn't mm. get at the time it's it's interesting how our perception of reshoots has changed in that small amount of time
1: entirely and, and and that's again not necessarily unheard of in most big productions obviously there are times when reshoots are genuinely exactly what they appear to be I, oh god this is failing quickly 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 other times it's like when you've got something that's so effects heavy when you find a think think mm, this could gel better if we have this in here or something or, or put something back in from that you originally cut whatever it would be now this is going to sound derogatory terms and not very uh progressive at all but it's disney so it's factually unfortunately disney wanted to make boy films <laughs> i.e. films that would market to to males and kids and boys etc and the point was, was and that sounds like an awful things it's like well no films are for people and we, i know that but from marketing demographic point of views they aim at a specific audience it's like where well, rapunzel wasn't called rapunzel but it was called tangled and had more action in it because i wanted to make it more for the sort of what's called a four quadrant release it's it's unfortunate that it is that way but that's how it was now in this case this film was in development for a very 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 long time Went through multiple hands. John Favreau was attached to it at some point. Um, Bounce from Paramount, I think, at one point. The, loads of people had it. Disney got through this and got Stanton involved. He's making the film. Now, 2012 is the 100 year anniversary of the book, which we will definitely come back to. It's also the year that Avengers comes out. And suddenly they have this product on their hands that's a big space fantasy that's really, you know, it, 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 we, we'll get to this later, but it's Tarzan in space. and it's And it's like, and in 2009, the highest grossing movie of all time, Avatar, is, in Cameron's own words, basically just him doing John Carter. So the audience has kind of seen it. So Disney has no idea how to market this thing. They've got this massive property that they don't really know how to sell to people that is, one hand, a little bit dark and a little bit weird for kids. In the same way, like, you know, uh, Never Ending Story was in the 80s. It's like, this is going kind to of terrify traumatize children. Yeah, but it's good. They need that. In the Grimm's Fairy Tales kind of way. And at the same time, it's a bit too cheery and happy and straightforward for adults so it has this very strange line it's walking so they have a problem marketing it and it doesn't get developed it doesn't get supported it comes out critics go i don't know what to do with this it's a bit long and pretentious and kind of dour but also really quite campy and silly and it falls flat on its face but those who like it really fucking like it um just to spoil for you all we like this movie um so the film itself it's it's almost strange that it was a disaster. I think it was just unfortunately timed. If they'd have got it out literally 4 years beforehand, I think it could have been a big huge success. The problem was we were stepping away from this kind of western fantasy as it were. And I mean that in the sort of because it's set in, in in the 1800s and definitely into
0: superhero territory. And hmm. there wasn't really a place for this. It was just a strange thing to think of. You touched upon the fact that Jon Favreau was briefly attached, and the fact that this whew, this was a troubled production over the course of like twenty years or so, and even dating back even further to like the fifties when they did stop motion animation and Ray Harryhausen and all this mm. kind of stuff. But this version of John Carter, the modern version of John Carter, dates back to the early two thousands, and even talking about robert rodriguez was signed on to do it in 2004 and rodriguez was like oh no maybe not and then he swapped over to do sin city instead and okay fair enough whatever then as you mentioned you have uh 2005 brought on john favreau and he had a bit of a thing and thought no actually i'm gonna go and do this different thing and wanted really clear kind of visual styles that he wasn't willing to compromise on and all this kind of stuff and wanted to do something really really faithful to the books and all this kind of stuff and then they had always planned a trilogy no matter which version of it this is and it was originally disney then as you said Matt, i went to paramount for a bit and then they let the rights recede like things do for these book series and stuff you have the rights and if you don't use it within a certain period of time the rights expire they move on to the next person whoever wants to take a crack at it basically and eventually they come back around to disney which actually that rights thing might
2: not apply anymore
0: because i know a few
2: of the books are actually public domain at this point they are now, uh, now. interestingly at least in america i think it, it varies around the world or something
0: yeah uh bros i believe his estate still owns the rights they have basically kept they have had a, a foundation and, and incorporated his works and all this kind of stuff and in america they own the right to the character of john carter of mars and tarzan and stuff but now i think you're right that a lot of the original work is now in the public domain because of that a hundred year um like expiry date essentially <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there, there's been a few people who have tried to do comics over the years and the edgar rice borrows who by the way folks is the original author of the original series way back in as matt said in the 1910s and 1920s and it was like all right mate but it's been a while and then people have done a a comic book and be like nope you're getting sued Mm -hmm. oh i'll do a thing (laughs) that's sort of like john carter like nope you're getting sued and as you mentioned matt there's so much other stuff that is inspired by john carter you're talking about avatar Mm. one of the biggest films of all time it's basically fucking john carter star wars dune which comes out soon Like one of the biggest, considered one of the best sci-fi novels of all time. Hopefully it's going to be a really fucking good movie because it's directed by (laughs) Denis Villeneuve and has an amazing cast and looks incredible. Couldn't be more inspired by John Carter if it tried, basically. And the fact that this incredibly influential piece of really, really early science fiction has just kind of slipped through the net so many times. And when it finally got this enormous budget behind it, you said it's one of the most expensive films ever made they produce this and it's like yeah this is good yeah it's really good and then they put a hundred million dollars behind the marketing of it and they're like cool what are you calling it like john carter of mars right and like well no we're just going to call it john carter we we don't want we don't want people to think it's like some geek bullshit And you like, what what do you mean you don't think star wars is a thing what are you talking about people love geek stuff it's 2012 avengers is about to happen you idiots the MCU's been around for a few years. Get with the fucking picture. But no, just John Carter. And I know we'll talk about this later on, I'm sure. But that the fucking line of like, yeah, John Carter of Mars. That sounds much better. And then the ending, it just says John Carter <laughs> of Mars. You're like, that, why didn't you do that from the first second of the first <laughs> frame of this movie? Oh, for God's sake. They fucked up the marketing. As we talk about, there is some weird tonal stuff but i think they did a. actually i think staton and his team did a really good job and the acting is great the visual effects are fantastic and uh yeah it's way better than it has any right to be but still was a massive fucking bomb because it was so expensive to produce yeah i think uh, this might be apocryphal but
2: I'm, i seem to remember hearing around the time when it was coming out that they started off calling it john carter and the princess of mars or oh, and yeah and John Carter and yeah, a princess of Mars, because the book is called a princess of Mars. And then they decided mm-hmm. that that made it sound too girly. And so they changed it to just John Carter of Mars. And then they Same. were like, that makes it sound like too much of a boy's film. So now we'll just call it John Carter because that makes it sound like a film for nobody. It makes it sound <laughs> like a film about yep. Yep. a fucking middle age local tennis champ. Um, <laughs> and, it's so frustrating. And I think it's it's a really interesting thing because I don't think in the UK and, and elsewhere, John Carter has quite the legacy it does in America, where it's it's this really foundational thing because it's Edgar Rice Burroughs is American. And I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that they hold up as like, oh, it's this big, you know, it's it's foundational American literature in a lot of ways you know it's the their, one of their first works of science fiction and stuff that's H G Wells kind of thing yeah exactly um and so it has a, it has a real legacy there and a real it's so influential but the the slight problem with trying to make one of these films is it's a bit like when you you take something like citizen kane and you show it to someone, and you have to go, no, 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 you don't understand. These camera shots were the first time this had ever been done. And to a modern person, they're like, yeah, but I've seen loads of films that do that stuff. And it's like, no, 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 but this was the first time it had ever been done. It's like, so much of the story of John Carter has been replicated and distilled and turned into other kind of bits of fiction. Like you say, it's so influential on, you know, June and... Um, generations and generations of science fiction writers and fantasy writers and superhero writers and all this kind of stuff, it's been so copied and replicated and, you know, subverted and all those kind of things that now when you go back to the original, it's kind of like, this is very old-fashioned. And I feel like the movie is really at war with itself over how old-fashioned it wants to be Um, because there's part of it that, that could just be this kind of like, big rollicking adventure film of a kind that doesn't really get produced anymore but it never really fully leans into that it it always wants to have this kind of slightly modern grittier edge to it and that kind of doesn't work because it's it fundamentally isn't that kind of story it's a very optimistic very like there if you go back to the original i haven't read the john carter series but i've kind of done in pre- in preparation for this a little bit of research on them and like they are not morally ambiguous stories the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad and like there there are people who are honorable like quote unquote savages pulling in a little of the uh racism and stuff of the time um but there's very few like, ah, you know, well, he's a bad guy, but he's really, you know, he's actually doing it for a good reason. It's like, no, if you're bad, you're a fucking tyrant in a John Carter book. um And trying to kind of introduce a bunch of like moral complexity to these stories doesn't really work because they're just, they're not that kind of story.
1: Yeah, they, they are very archetypal swashbuckling kind of things where, as you say, it, just to just give another black and white comparison that people have been trying to sort of work in a lot of... Uh themes that don't necessarily fit it very well there's a reason that superman in his first iteration jumped rather than flew um because john carter okay so john carter's story is he's a man from another planet and because his body is from different gravity and atmosphere he is strong and can jump over single, tall you know tall buildings at a single leap and it's like that yeah. sounds <laughs> awfully familiar um and yep. it's like yeah because we've heard this story a million times it's just that This happened to be very, very, very progressive and inspired, as said a lot of people. Now, it's unfortunate because it's the exact opposite with film. It's not progressive, and if anything, it's problematic. So just to set another time, or to draw your mind back 10 years, Disney live action. If I say Disney live action these days, we think of two things. Uh, One is the mass properties that they own in terms of Star Wars and Marvel and the fucking engine of money that that is. And the other thing is, oh, these fucking live action Disney remakes, you know, oh, you've got the origin stories of villains and you've got, you know, a remake of Aladdin and I don't like it. It's all very safe. There's a reason they do those. There's a reason. And on one hand, you have Star Wars and Marvel. And as is proven in 2012, when Avengers was one of the biggest things ever, it's something they can work on like John Carter which they can funnel tons of money in, but the job is already done for them. The marketing is already done. And these things are, it's franchises itself. You don't need to do half the marketing because people know these characters. They know these figures. And the stories they can do are, again, they can sort of work in their their own agenda into it. And it can be something they can sell easily and sell a lot of toys of very quickly and very easily. Then you have, the Disney live-action safe stuff. It's like, oh, we'll to do Aladdin again, because it's safe. We'll do Cinderella again, because they know that already. That's because in 2010, they made Alice in Wonderland with Tim Burton, a sort of sequel, sort of remake, sort of thing, and it made a billion dollars, and every fucker saw it, even though it's literally just fine. At the same time, they're these <laughs> huge... I would, I would
2: say considerably worse than fine, but uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> fine is generous. Um, but they, they had these huge properties. Pirates of the Caribbean was the, the one that sort of kicked it off, like, oh god, this is amazing. We can make a movie out of a ride, and it can get Oscar nominations. This is insane. And mm. then you end up with things like, oh, brilliant. What do we do next? Well, let's go back to some of our other stuff. Like what? We'll get the rights to *Prince of Persia*. Eh, that does that does okay. And it's like okay, fine. *Tron*. *Tron* was huge. Let's, let's bring back *Tron*. *Tron* Legacy does is just, just does fine. He's like, okay, John Carter. That's that's a huge property. It's been development hell. It does fine. And the sort of death knell is, that, fine. We'll do the Lone Ranger. It's like okay, we need to stop losing money now. Um, and by 2013, 2014, all those projects have stopped. And in 2015, the live-action remake of Cinderella comes out. Tomorrowland nose dives in the toilet, and then you get the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, then you get the Jungle Book, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Pete's Dragon, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and it's like, oh, it's uh, oh, oh, we've we've pivoted now. We've moved away. And if you're like saying to yourself, oh, I'm really sick of these. It's like, well, you had a chance and you didn't go and watch the films you should have watched. And people will go, <laughs> "Tron Legacy is pretty damn good. It's like, yeah, yeah, we, we, it's, it's all right. Yeah. It's like oh, Lone Ranger's crap. <laughs> That's true. John Carter is really fun. It's like, yes, it is really fun. And this is kind of the point. It was just a really unfortunately timed release. But also from the technology, you couldn't have released it any other time unless you were James Cameron. And rather than doing your fucking fantasy Pandora nonsense, just make the thing you wanted to make, which was John <laughs> Carter. Now, in addition to marketing, in addition to everything else, in addition to the po face seriousness with the silly gags as well, and you know the sort of mismatched tone and things, I still hold this up as a very solid film. I think it's really fun. It's it's updates the 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 material very well. In the Dejah Thoris, we'll come back to the characters and things. Dejah Thoris isn't just a as is, was the case in 1912. A damsel to be saved. Oh my, what will I do? Get behind me. Oh, John. Oh, save. Me. That's all she does. She's a princess. She's to be locked in a fucking castle, you know, Princess yep. Peach style. Who, who literally wears a belt, and that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. On, on Mars, <laughs> it is a barren wasteland, and therefore everyone wears fuck all. There's a reason He, <laughs> he- Man's another example of, you know, like, oh, just do John Carter. He Man. She's like, what, what's he wearing? Loins and belt. S- straps <laughs> and pasties, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, and again, <laughs> I, I think that what Stanton did was update it and modernize it really well. She's a strong character, she has her own agenda, she's um, a scientist rather than just a princess, even though the patriarchal system that's you know holds her up is still shit. So she's she's also a diplomat, so she's interesting. Sola, who is uh, the, the daughter of this this alien race who are you know very. <sighs> I know what the, the the original text would use the word savage and barbaric, but that's a terrible, terrible analogy. So I think the truth is that they're very just and primitive is another terrible word to use, but they are basically very strength-oriented. And they are very blunt in how they go about that. They're very tribal in that regard. And it's just like, no, 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 no. The strength of the pack is everything. It's like, okay, we're going to the egg hatching chamber. Which ones didn't make it out of the eggs? Which ones are still struggling? Fuck them. Shoot them. It's Spartan, basically. Um, and that's, that's fine. That's interesting. But that's very dark for a film about a man bouncing around with a dog that runs <laughs> really fast. Um, it's, it's a strange medley. But then, as a perfect analogy, one of the biggest hits of the summer in was it, 2013, 2014, is Tarzan for Warner Brothers. So it shows that this property does actually... Oh, the Alexander
0: Skarsgård one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This property does actually have a place. Um, People Mm. do want these kind of black and white, swashbuckling stories. Mm. By the way... Tarzan, notably also written by Edgar Rice Burroughs. That's exactly right. Thank you, Tim. Exactly. So this is a 2016 movie, by the way, called The Legend of Tarzan with um, Alexander Skarsgård, directed by David Yates, who did the latter Harry Potter films and... and, um, <laughs> the the Fantastic Beast films, but it's okay, it's perfectly fine. But it is black and white. It's like what what if Tarzan has to go back to the jungle and it's 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 the other story of you know um, someone dropped in on on their ass as it were. It's not a good film. I would say it's significantly less good than, Tar- uh, than than John Carter, but it made a lot of money because they marketed it fine. And it was at a time in 2016 where we were like, eh, should we have saying that isn't a superhero? It's like, well, how about a superhero who punches monkeys? Like uh, that's kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> Um and, but yes. Yeah, so I mean if you're gonna do that, just do Hellboy. <laughs> that's that's very true. That's a good point. Um yeah, so so essentially it is a it is a strange, strange property. And I think for those who haven't tried it, it's worth a go. But it is unabashedly its own thing. It doesn't care if you can't keep up, it doesn't care if you don't like the idea of the lore or the world, it doesn't like it doesn't care if you don't like the pacing. It's just gonna tell you this story. And I I very much respect that. I I think. It's telling a very antiquated classic story at its own pace. And to be fair, in my memory, I was like, oh, God, I forgot. I'm a... There's all this fucking stuff on Earth first, isn't there? It's like a Western for a while. It takes forever to get going, doesn't it? And I was like, no, he's, he's on Mars within 20 minutes. I was like, oh, yeah, it, it does actually move along at a fair pace. It's actually, and again, the performances are very fun. It's dark, but it's good. It's like, no, I like this. There's some campy moments at times. Yeah, I mean, Kitsch is, it could be better, but he's not bad. He's just a bit... But then
0: so is John Carson. Taylor Kitsch be... is like the worst of an, in, of an incredible fucking cast. Yeah. Because just even the people who aren't in big things, you mentioned like, oh, God, he's on Mars. Uh, sorry. Oh, God, he's on Earth for like too long. Like, yeah, he's on Earth with Brian Cranston. Yes. I, don't know, <laughs> I can watch him hang out with Brian Cranston all day. And then, oh, no, you got like Kieran Hines and Mark Strong and Lynn Collins and Dominic West mm-hmm. and James Purifoy. And, oh, I don't know, Willem Dafoe david schwimmer john favreau like all these little little sprinklings of cool mm. little things and some really fantastic like central villains mm. and mm. terrible people as well who mm. have acted fantastically i think taylor kitsch might be the worst performance in the film because i do not like taylor kitsch very much at all yeah, that's why i use this opening line of oh. i am
1: dotar sojad it's like i'm not <laughs> I know what you're trying to do here. It's like the whole like who's 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 at the front of Avatar with all these amazing actors. Sam Worthington. It's like okay, okay, cool.
2: Yeah, I think I think Ooh. you definitely needed someone who had a little bit more sparkle and charm. Alexander Skarsgård. Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stellan <yeah>. Skarsgård.
0: <laughs> amazing. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. all the Skarsgård. Like um.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, like I say, I think you need someone with a little bit more charm and who was because I do think you have to it, you have to accept that it's a very earnest role and mm-hmm. a kind of straight up heroic way in a way that is it's kind of like trying to cast Captain America like you need someone who can just be that straight arrow that person who is just yeah, like yeah. yeah I'm here and it's it's a strange feel and I want to get into this for a moment because there's one point which um. And they 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 made a very conscious decision that they wanted to stick very close to the books. And in the books, John Carter is a former captain from the Confederate Army. Yeah, you know, you know the bad guys. Mm. And they 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 don't change that. They it does. They don't dwell on it a huge amount, but it certainly features at the beginning when it's the more western uh, type trappings and. I saw a great video by Amber Ruffin, who has a like a, a late night TV show on Peacock, the the NBC streaming service. Mm. Um, who she was like looking at some of the big box office bombs, and was like, "Ah, so you've got John Carter, that's about a Confederate general, and then and this is literally going from the Wikipedia list of of biggest box office bombs adjusted for inflation. The top three: John Carter. You want us to support a confederate captain like <laughs> on his on his wacky adventures the lone ranger johnny depp is a native american <laughs> ah uh the 13th warrior antonio panderas is a muslim character hmm okay Th- let's that's an interesting commonality between those mm. three i'm not saying that they were the deciding factors in how these things were received but yeah. you've got to imagine that they come in somewhere because he's, he's like they do they they in a way
1: sort of talk about it, but very briefly. And the idea that he, yes, he fought for the Confederacy because of was the nature of where you were as opposed to his beliefs and things. Like, yeah, sure, I kind of get that, but that's very, very much an innocent way of looking at it, but that's Disney for you. But then he does say, but he is a kind of black very and white...
0: It's way of looking at it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. entirely,
1: yes. But he's a very black and white character who's like, if someone is suffering, if something is wrong, I'm going to step in no matter what. I'm like, yeah, that, that great. I, I, I actually really... That's good as a character. You need that kind of strong hmm. moral compass. Did, did you have any problems with that during the Civil War at all? Or what, 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 you were okay with everything
2: that was going on? <laughs> I don't care if you've got red skin or green skin or whatever. What about if you've got black skin, John? Well, then... I'm not talking to you. It's like, oh, thank yeah. you, John. Yeah, I think they could... If they If they wanted to keep that aspect, they needed to do a bit more work to be like, yeah, okay, he's from the Confederacy, but he really wasn't there by choice and you know yeah. all those kind of try and squeeze a little bit more and i the character. seen real nuanced performances
1: of people who have been in i mean you would have to watch downfall to see that perfectly with with literally the idea of like oh well you know if you don't know downfall is a film about literally the end of the nazis and hitler's bunker in his final days it's heavily memed but very extremely good cinema but it's the idea that, yes, okay, the top brass of, it's the, of, of, nine, of the Nazi nine, the nine, 99999
0: scene, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. And and all those, obviously, all the people represented, like, you know, Goebbels and, and Himmler and stuff, t- awful human beings. We all know this. To be, well, we shall hopefully know this. But then you've got the sort of innocent side of things of, like, the secretaries and the people who are just fighting because it's their country and they want to just go home to their families. But it's also like, yes, but. And the film does a very good job of explaining that because it has an actual interview with one of the women in question who's who's his secretary in the bunker and things. And it's, it's like, we just, we're swept up in it all. And, and it's it's a very interesting portrayal. This film doesn't have the time to talk about that and kind of doesn't want to. So you're like, we can't move him out of the South because everyone calls him Virginia. And it's very important that he's from the South. And so like, oh, I, okay, sure. Um, So could we show him during the Civil War doing something good? No time for that shit. And that, th- th- this is the problem. Anytime you start a story with a comparison a parallel a flashback or something or other you are going to have something that feels akin to stop and start now this film does this it is one of the biggest problems i have with this movie is the the stop starting so for example you have the opening narration from Willem Dafoe saying mars everything is this here's your opening thing on mars i don't know if that's the smartest way to start this movie because much like the way that avengers just opens with this random thing you're like what's going on it kind of rumbles on and you're like, well, why am I back on Earth? I don't care, I just see Mars. You don't want to see Mars until the character sees Mars in theory. But also the best example is when he is going to this panning station to buy stuff to ha- pan for gold and he wants the rights, he wants beans. The first order is beans. <laughs> Fucking beans. <laughs> and in doing that, he gets knocked out by uh, the the army who are drafting him to the, as a cavalryman and Brian Cranston has a conversation with him where he just reels off. It's it's like the scene in in, in Escape from New York. Like, two purple hearts, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, where he just goes through all his um, amazing, you know, the, the cross of the South and all this valor and 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 mm. his glory, etc. And as he's talking... Talented, duelist, excellent <laughs> cavalryman. Yes, exactly. It's just like, the best of us, but it's fought for the South. Uh, and as he's talking, it's like, Carter can't be caged and he just like, you know, nuts him in the face and he's restrained of a chair and he jumps out the window they finally throw him in a cell and he's like, you're a fighter, Carter, and I need that for my army. You're like, yeah, cool, I get it, but you know what you've done there? You've stopped and started this movie five fucking times to tell a joke and I get it, and for the younger audience, it's like, oh, it's funny, I can't can't be contained, but for us, it's like, yeah, I'm kind of just getting annoyed with it now. You need to move this along. And it does, then it gets, you know, moves along and you know, ghost spider. But it is it is a frustration because when he does get to Mars and he's a bit of a gleefulness and stuff, it feels very uneven to begin with. But then when it gets going, it really fucking gets going.
0: I really want to touch on what you just briefly mentioned there, Matt, is that we should definitely not see Mars before John Carter does. As an audience. And I know we're not picking apart the first film. It is good. We'll get to the sequels. Don't worry. Our potential sequels, should I say. But just the fact that the opening shot like essentially spoils the reveal of mars as this landscape and we know that there are aliens if you go into this film blind which a lot of people did because the marketing was shit <laughs> and you don't expect wait what this is this is a this is a film about a confederate soldier what the fuck is this and then having that moment where he's teleported and he looks like he stands up and like looks across the desert and is like i'm on fucking mars oh my god and as i said like the visual effects are stunning at times like there's some really fantastic landscapes and really fantastic designs of the tharks and the creatures and all this kind of stuff there's some brilliant stuff in there that could be real avatar style spectacle viewing like this could be that kind of thing where everyone's going, oh my god pandora looks so cool it looks so amazing and you could have granted pandora is a lot nicer and more pleasant looking <laughs> a a more lean and lush yeah, and lovely mars is real Com- <laughs> compared to the yeah compared to the des- desolate wasteland of mars but it's such a visually striking thing that the red sand and those like m- the mountains and stuff is such an interesting and seeing the sun from a different angle and all this kind of stuff could be really breathtaking cinema and there's just little bits like that. It's little things that I don't think stop this film from being great, but they stop it from really becoming a fantastic film in my eyes.
2: It's one of the few times that I say this, and I think this is why the in, the comparison to Avatar is really interesting. I really regret that I didn't see this film in the cinema, A, to like make it more of a success, but also it would have meant I could have seen it in 3D mm. because it was around that time when everything was coming out in 3D. Yeah. And I think that... There would have been some bits in this that would have looked really fucking good in 3D. I, um, I saw it
1: in 3D in the cinema uh, as, as a press screening, actually, very early on, and that's why I fucking love it. I did as well. Yeah, one of the reasons is because the spectacle is there, and, and I'm not. I, 3D is a gimmick, mm. but as a gimmick done well, this one was done very well with the airships and mm. everything and all the blowing around. It was like this is fucking cool. Um, I did watch it again in 2D as well. Liked it as well because I think it's it's pr- the production design, everything that goes into it. The idea that Zedanga is this moving city that's just combing Mars and hoovering up resources and then has a sort of interesting climate change message at the same time. And it's like, this is so layered and so complex and so rewarding, except for the
2: fact that people didn't go and see it. <laughs> There's um uh Patrick Willems, who's a YouTuber who we we often uh, reference, has a a video about kind of uh, gonzo blockbusters blockbusters that have this kind of balls to the wall imagination where they're just willing to kind of show you these really interesting things and i can't remember if he includes john carter in that and it's kind of weird to say like oh it it should do because it's the as we mentioned the ideas that it, it has are so foundational to a lot of sci-fi and have been replicated so much mm-hmm. but equally like there's a lot in here where it's just like yeah this city moves about on legs uh and we're not going to really dwell on that like fucking mortal uh was it mortal engines, engines yeah. made a whole film out of that concept <laughs> and this is just like yeah zodanga moves around and it hoovers up resources on to the next thing yeah um there's a race of beings who are interfering with uh
1: life on earth and life on mars just to sort of you know hoover up resources who can shapeshift and they speak certain words and can teleport from planet to planet it's like what the fuck it just in one <laughs> thing that's a, alone that's terrifying and amazing it's like There are multiple races on Mars and they're all having civil wars. And again, Mm -hmm. and that's before you get to the simple, the really simple surface analogy of like, let me get this right. So there are two forces. Yes. There's helium. Yes. And they're in blue. Right. And the bad (laughs) guys are in red or brown. Yeah. Yes. Called Zedanga. That's correct. And there are natives of this planet who are, you know, treated like shit by everybody, but a really, really interesting and powerful force if you are able to connect with them. Yes. So this is basically just the western frontier it's like <laughs> yes and that's the point it is literally john carter finds yes. himself in one civil war <laughs> with native americans to the same fucking thing on a different planet and it's like god damn it and the whole point is literally and, and i love these sort of the the conversations with what's called the thern who are these uh these sort of interfering uh cree like race um it's spring and marvel stuff who are like like you know they're sort of meddling but not Oh, my favorite Korea is a bad example. Um, meddling, but not necessarily involved. They're they also projecting themselves. Sort of
2: hands, hands off manipulation. Thank you, yeah.
1: They, they, they sort of project themselves as gods, even though they are also susceptible to bullets. So, you know, they're not as powerful <laughs> as they make themselves out to be. But they've been around for so long, they feel immortal. Very much, you know, pulling the strings in the background and the shadows and things. And it's it's just the, the, the politics, the action, the, d- the design, the production. The music is great. Everything is just, I mean, it's Michael Giacchino doing this really sort of 1950s, fifties, nineteen sort of forties, big swelling, score to it all. Everything is firing. The only problem is you have to go into this movie expecting this movie. And when you get there, you have to go, I know what I'm about to see now and it's fine. So, for example, I mentioned about Star Wars. You will see things in the film and go, oh, we're just doing this. It's like, no, 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 no. So, for example, it's like, oh, well, there's, this, there's these two skiffs in space, and they're in a big sandy desert, and they shoot each other. And then they get like these bat- giant cannons and aim it at each other at the deck, trying to get out like, oh, you mean like a Jabber's Barge in, in Return of the Jedi? No, 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 no. No, I don't mean that. It's like, oh, and they go into this <laughs> arena with these spikes, and they fight these huge beasts. It's like, you mean like th- the scene on Geonosis from Attack of the Clones? <laughs> N- no! Again! You're taking stuff from John Carter that isn't you know, and there's so much that it, it's influenced, and you have to go into this. I say this idea that if John Carter sees something wrong, he's going to do the right thing. The little dog beast, who's very cute, even those fucking weird looking, is getting kicked around by the Tharks. And he steps in because it's the right thing to do, even though it's giving away his position. saying like, no, 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 no. Hey, get off him. And he does. He jumps down and punches a Thark. And the Thark cracks his head and dies. <laughs> so for all you fucking Man of Steel fans, rather than going, oh, no, he, he can't kill people. It's like, you killed him with one, one blow. I respect you more. And <laughs> it's like, yes, there you go. You got all the fucking Snyder bros as well, if you want. Um, and by the way, everybody's wearing like no fucking clothes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's it should technically somehow appeal to everybody. And yet it's so niche in a way it appealed to nobody. It was, so, it's such a frustrating film. Mm. And if I say like, oh, have you seen John Cartman? Everyone says exactly as, as Tim Jack mentioned. Oh, you mean the biggest flop of all time? It's like, no, I mean a really good, Aggressively unique movie, like nah. Do you know anything about it? No, I did not know. Uh, I didn't really see anything. Some uh white gorillas. Is that, is that it? Is that it? Yeah, sure. And it's it is very frustrating because even now it's. I, I know there was petitions for a long time to get a sequel off the ground. Stanton and tried, and then Disney basically just lost. Not lost the rights. Let the rights slip. They didn't care anymore. They lost enough mm. money as it is. Even though it's Disney, and when they say they lose money, they don't lose shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and it's, I know Stanton still to this day Seems very upset that he didn't get to make his trilogy The way he wanted to and things mm. Even though, he, yeah, that's the thing He did make this movie without compromise, I think And that's the key point This movie is the movie he wanted to make As far as we're all aware And I, I very much am happy about that Because it means I'm not watching something That's watered down that's like Oh, this could be great It's like, no, this is pretty damn good It was just unappreciated in its time And not in a weird I Like I love Gore Verbinski with like Rango and stuff and he did a great job with the Pirates films, to a degree. But then he's like, oh, do The Lone Ranger. It's like, this film is just a fucking mess. What is this thing? And that one I can tear apart quite easily. That one I can explain why it's bad. John Carter, when people say, oh, I don't really like it. I'm like,
2: why didn't you like it? I don't understand. What's not to like? I think, I think, and we've mentioned him already, I think a lot of it comes down to the central performance. Mm. I think. It, if, to people who have actually seen the film and still don't like it, I think it's just getting an actor who can find that right tone because it's so it's so essential and i don't think taylor kitsch is a bad actor i think he's been good in things like he's really good in friday night lights tv series like but i he's got a very we talked about you know the the the, matt's introduction of like (laughs) this sort of gravelly like "Mm, yeah i'm i'm troubled and and stuff and it's it's an interesting film because it does it does portray him as troubled it gives him it gives him a wife uh, and child who have died in the past and he's you know he's he's someone who you know it doesn't go into a huge huge amount of how what his time in the army was like but it sort of implies like oh he was there against his will and now he doesn't want to do that anymore and he kind of wants wants a, a simple life away from these problems and kind of stuff but like i think if you're making a john carter film those things shouldn't weigh on him as much as as kitsch kind of makes them in the performance he 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 feels like someone who's really like worn down by life and i i think and it's a shame because i think there's there's moments like when he first gets on mars and is like hopping about and learning (laughs) to do his giant leaps you see a moment of like kind of happiness come through and and a bit of glee and it's like oh great it's kind of like um go back to fucking snyder like seeing Henry Cavill in the man from uncle and seeing this like charming and and in the witcher as well and seeing this like charming, great charismatic performances from him. And then going like, why couldn't you pull that off in fucking man of steel? It's like, Oh, cause the director didn't want you to. So maybe who knows, maybe Stanton wanted quite a, a not necessarily like grim and gritty, but like a, a, a more troubled um, John Carter. But yeah. that definitely feels like it's, it's a performance that is in, the 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 kind that Taylor Kitsch is comfortable with, and maybe if they'd got someone who was a little bit more happy-go-lucky, you might have had a film. Because I think we mentioned like everyone's just in their underwear and you know kind of things. Like this should be a kind of it. it one of the kind of the genres that john carter the books like fall into is is i think it's called like space romance like these should be an old school romance you know the the john carter should be a figure that women swoon after you know and and deja thoris should be you know the same but for men and you know or or people who are attracted to to men and people who are attracted to women but you know it's that i i don't think it it doesn't make him enough of a like a, a hunk <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I, I even though he's a very hunky man, <laughs> Horny Tim is coming out, and they're not sexy enough. Well, yeah,
1: weirdly enough, it's the nature of, of that kind of tone that they've gone for, and I think most recently, again to come back to Warner Brothers, agree or disagree with that, the tone they struck in Aquaman with Jason Momoa. Yes, that's what absolutely. they needed to go for. Someone who's like, I'm troubled and I don't want to talk about it, but at the same time, look at my fucking
0: abs. Um, yeah. And he's also like, and I'm, oh, I'm I, funny. And I'm, I'm still going to have fun. Yeah. Momoa's not a bad shout I for think John was a great.
1: I, I, if I had to cut, recast, I'd go Momoa. But the, that's why I'm looking forward to him in June. But we do see it. And again, I think it might be more an intentional thing because from an evolutionary point, I mentioned about how this film stops and starts. Not only do you see Mars at the start, we also see a bookend sequence where John is being chased on Earth in the late 1880s uh in New York. It's like okay. And he's in the rain and he's like, you know, sneaking through the crowd a bit like, you know, mm. how we see a uh, little, little little bit like Sherlock Holmes in in the Robert Downey Jr. films, you know, he's very works the streets quite well. Mm. Much more grounded way. He's, you know, Pretending to kiss a girl with his to up, like, ma'am, and that kind of stuff. And it's all, you know, mm. ooh, a little bit of a heart flattering moment. And it's subtle little stuff. And it's like, I need to make a, a telegram out, please. And it's like, it'll be expensive. It's an express. Cool. And it's like, he slides like a silver dollar. It's like, oh, express it is then. And he's clearly like a man of money and means. And when he's like, fetch my doctor, I feel awfully well now. And all this stuff. And the problem is, we've started the film three, fucking times at this point and <laughs> he seems to be more charming there and so by the end of the movie there's a twist i'm not going to talk about what it is too much even probably have to because we're talk about our own pictures. but the point is that by the time you see him again he is again quite charming like, hello ned
0: spoil it matt we will we talk about it. Spoil it yeah so
1: um you had t- like a decade to watch this film people um so <laughs> he fakes his own death to lure out the uh therns who are meddling on Earth so he can get back to Mars because he's been back. He basically got just kicked off Mars when everything was where he won basically by Mark Strong's character Masai Shang and it's like, oh, bollocks. And he's been desperately trying to get back to his love for 10 years. And there's something that's great about that. He gets his gold and he's like, no, I don't want the gold anymore. I want to go back to her. That's that's a great mm. push. That's a motivation that through the whole film he's been like, I just got to get back to Earth and my life and my gold. And it's like, is is your life anything on Earth anymore? And mm-hmm. but interestingly, you know, Deja, like tries to sort of him and it's like you know very in that sort of like um semi chaste way that you get in the 1900s and he's still kind of got his wedding ring for his wife's like no i don't want to talk about it and that kind of stoicy kind of thing it's 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 dated but that's kind of the point because he's a man from the past but then he realizes he loves her and so on and so forth and that romance as tim said comes through and it works well and he's like he he, he literally uh, uh, gets his his nephew who's well enough edgar rice Burroughs. Played by yep. the kid
2: from fucking Spy Kids. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the little
2: redheaded twerp from Spy oh God, Kids. Yep. yeah. <laughs> he gets him
1: to basically say, can you look over my body? Because when I go to Mars, my body stays here and you need to protect it. And it's like, sure. And he's like, you could, by the way, you could have the house, my estate, all my land, all my gold. Just keep my body safe. And he goes back to Mars to his, basically, his wife. And um, yeah, that last bit of like, hello, Ned. I was like, oh, but you're... Usually, I was like, "No, I just knew I needed someone to protect me." It was like, "I need to draw out." So this was a ruse. No, I meant it. I, you are the only person I trust, and I, you believe my stories. And I'm grateful for you. And write a book, Ned. You know, go off and do some stuff. And It's like it, he has the charm there. It's it's only at the end because he needs that evolution from this grumpy Civil War veteran who's lost everything to this guy. Who's mm. like, I now have a motivation. I now have things to get through. But the as I say, that
2: that just that. A little tweaking, and it would be there. It'll be like, oh, I fucking yeah. love this guy. Let's go. Um, and that's it's kind of the frustrating thing because you'd think that when he was on Earth, he'd be miserable, even though he's like <laughs> now he's now found a way back, kind mm-hmm. of thing, and and is working towards it yeah. in those scenes. But you'd think he'd be like grumpy as fuck on Earth, and then gets to you know on Mars, is like, hey, I'm free of all that baggage, yeah. and now I can. I don't care now I can be. A... I'm
1: also like superhuman. I can punch all my problems away. Like I wish I could yeah. back on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird one. It's very good. I still recommend it. There are minor issues going on. I mean, i still like to say like it's like a four out of five or maybe a three out of five for certain people. It's not like the best thing, but people would say, like, oh, it's a six or seven out of ten. I really enjoyed it. Is it the best film I've ever seen? No, of course not. I'd like to see more of it, though. The world building is
2: fantastic. It's like, exactly. So our first sponsor today is Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you can always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. We have used Podgo for at least 18 months now and they are really reliable, really straightforward to use. We cannot recommend them enough. Uh, and by going to podgo.co, that's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, uh, you can sign up for your own podcast and uh, get yourself connected with advertisers, start monetizing all the hard work that you put into your podcast. And if uh, if you do sign up, you can tell them that you heard about their services from the Sequelizers and uh, put a little money in our pocket. Support for Sequelizers is also brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered engineer, tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SEQUEL at manscaped.com. Uh, Manscaped, they're a really popular brand in the US, and they've just launched in the UK. they they I don't think it's a... Uh, over exaggeration to call their products life changing especially <laughs> if you have been using substandard razors to trim your delicate areas and uh you know it's a it's a risky endeavor and i think everyone's got a story about when their hand slipped or god forbid they sneezed mid mid haircut and time froze uh, and then went very very quickly previously when i st- when i first started shaving Myself, uh, I used
1: this, this. Well, not yeah, no, I know. I used the same thing I used on my face, which is n- not hygienic, everybody. Don't, don't do that. Get a specific thing, Matthew, um, That's no, no, gross. No. But I used a straight edge cutthroat razor, that was what I was using my face. I thought, well, I can clean that make sure it's safe. And I thought to myself, if I mess this up, you're right, I will maniac. die. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, qualified, proper tools is what you need, and Manscaped are happy to deliver those to you.
0: Yeah, it is stories like that. I don't know, you sounded like a proper tool.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's stories like that that is the reason that Manscaped has designed, redesigned, some might say, the electric trimmer Um, and their engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. It's a third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Um, It will take you from the overgrown forests of pandora to the clean barren (laughs) wastes of mars fantastic for your own (laughs) barsoom yes uh it's uh, a fantastic little product got uh last the battery lasts 90 minutes so you can take however long you need to shave if you take 90 minutes i'm slightly worried for you but you do you (laughs) uh it's waterproof so you can do it in the shower it's got a little led light on it so you can uh light up your area and get very precise maybe do a little pattern into it who knows Mm. um got a great usb powered charging dock that's very convenient and is just it's the perfect thing to clean yourself up and get yourself neat from your Helium to your Zodonga, <laughs> uh, it will <laughs> clean you right up. So you can get 20% off and free delivery with the code SEQUEL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free delivery at manscaped.com using the code SEQUEL.
0: Your balls will thank you. So in the usual season episodes where we're fixing bad sequels we usually talk about the rotten tomato scores and all that kind of stuff and since it's a sequel we'd like to see let's do a little interseason special treat shall we gentlemen and talk about the rotten tomato score for one mm. John Carter it's interesting it's very interesting seen, i don't know what they are not surprising i would say any ideas? Since there's only one in the franchise, there's only one to guess. There's none of this like, oh, let's do the sequel or the prequel or the whatever. What do you reckon? 2012's one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. What do you reckon it is? Any ideas?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'd like it to be 70s, but I don't think it was. Because even just because it didn't make the money back doesn't mean the critical uh, critical score would be low. Uh, I gave it a good review. Um, we'll get back to that in a
2: minute. But um, yeah, let's say let's say 72, please.
0: 72 for you, Matthew. Interesting.
2: I'm going to go a lot lower because I think <laughs> I think it, it, it's the kind of thing where because it had such a bad reputation and the marketing was so flubbed, it would impact critic scores, even though they're supposedly trying to be objective, but also objective reviews don't exist. So I think they would have been affected by that a little bit. I'm going to say I think John Carter is about as good as the first Blade film and so i'm going to say 52% which is about what the first blade film has on rotten tomatoes which is another <laughs> atrocity of uh, of scoring another, but, you know uh, like the uh, the mummy as well where it's like
0: it's what i just yeah yeah. yeah
2: well god brendan fraser would have been a
0: fucking great john carter <laughs> oh, god, in the 90s oh, yeah fraser. young god. brendan fraser Good that would have been great well interestingly enough you nailed it tim it's 52% holy on shit the dot that's depressing yeah it is it is both of those films as we said blade should be much higher john carter should be higher i don't know if it necessarily needs to be that much higher there's still some there's plenty of flaws in this film but the audience score is probably mm. closer to what i would have expected from you know us talking about it and stuff it's slightly yeah. higher at 60 percent so not crazy higher but you know a little bit more respectable
1: oh that's still that's still low, but that
0: is the threshold remember for certified fresh and all that kind of stuff that you get the little tomato instead of the splat mm-hmm. of the green tomato so, <laughs> uh, yeah that sixty percent is is a key yeah. is a key factor in old rotten tomatoes so interesting but not surprising mm. i think one of the one of the least surprising ones for me probably we've covered in a while would you like to hear a little segment of my
1: review back in twenty
0: twelve yeah what what did uh what was that twenty Seven-year-old Matt, twenty-six-year-old mate. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? What What did he think?
1: Um, this is my summation, as it were. What we end up with is a piece with grand potential, lush visuals, memorable characters, and arguably trite dialogue all of which adds to the overall feel of something unseen for quite some time an epic science fiction tale that's not to say it's perfect far from it I still walked away decidedly unsure of my final opinion and really needed to mull it over before coming to a full conclusion but I felt the same way about Stargate, Dune and Planet of the Apes and now I love those films I would agree there is a crucial element missing and for that reason I absolutely have no idea how the public or fellow critics will receive it well fucking hell I wasn't wrong there (laughs) but unlike Avatar I find the more I think about this release the more I enjoy it and then in, my, in a sort of few words, like final segment, I said all the adventure of Stargate with all the scope of Ben-Hur in a movie, the likes of which has been long absent from cinema. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'd say that's fairly.
0: Can we, can we touch on the fact that you said that you love Dune?
1: Yeah, I think when I say I love the films, I don't love the films Dune and *Planet of the Apes*. I like. That's why I heard you say, Matthew. That's
0: why. That's why I heard you yeah. say.
1: That's me of the past. He was a young fool. <laughs> I, I do like June's a movie. I like the. I like the. the, the he he uh... was a
2: young fool. Now listen to what he thought
0: about this movie. <laughs> yeah. No, I I liked. Uh, I like the David Lynch film. I think it's fine. That, yeah, that's not. I love this. It's fine. It's a very <laughs> different reaction. Yeah, I
1: do love *Stargate* though. Mm. Mm. Well, um... anyway, point is he mostly knows what he's talking about
0: (laughs) well should we get into our pitches so that like i said this is an in-season episode and it is specifically a sequel we'd like to see so it's something a little bit different you'll get essentially a mini pitch from each of us we'll give you an idea of some new characters we're going to be casting in uh maybe we'll bring in a new director who knows and then kind of a little summary of the story don't expect full pitches it's not going to be us bouncing back and forth and reading two to three thousand words. Don't worry. They're nice little summaries. <laughs> and then we'll kind of, uh, we usually end up kind of amalgamating them and coming like, oh, I like your idea. I'll grab your casting for this thing. And then I like your story. So we'll do this thing and we'll make a few changes. Welcome to the the Disney writer's room, essentially. And uh, yeah, we'll see how, you, how we end up sequelizing John Carter. So I'm going to jump in with mine because... I don't mean to be me glib about this, but there's a pretty obvious fucking answer, right? There is already a sequel <laughs> to John Carter because there's like 12 books. And I know we touch on this and sometimes in the sequel, we very much touched upon this in the, in the Bourne uh, episode we did last season, for example, talking about how Born Legacy could have adapted, like, 12 other books, but it didn't. It was just like, nope, fuck it, I'm, I'm taking the name of the fourth book and doing nothing to do with the fourth book and just making it up <laughs> as I go along. As we said earlier, the first book is called A Princess of Mars, and the sequel to that is The Gods of Mars. So to me, it makes sense to make John Carter and the Gods of Mars. That's the obvious title, and essentially, you do the book with a few tweaks because... The film does cover little bits and pieces from both Princess of Mars and Gods of Mars and kind of mushes it up, mushes up the timeline of the books a little bit. But yeah, pretty much do the book. So the first one, as we mentioned, ends with John Carter finally returning to Bassoom with the magical medallion and stuff. He gets transported back to Mars. But in the Gods of Mars, he is transported to essentially like a forbidden... Area of marge, this holy land that is essentially this almost like the river Styx it 's called the river Is in this area called valley' Dor, and it 's like this like the 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 pilgrimage to the afterlife is this very sacred and holy thing that if you go to it's almost like the um the lands of the undying in Lord of the Rings you go there you don 't come back and it's kind of this mm. it, way into it the made, me afterlife. Of,
2: uh, made me think of made me think of an elephant's graveyard uh where it <laughs> yeah which is a lot less mystical than the other analogies but just that kind of like <laughs> when it's your time you just kind of wander off in this direction and thus it has built up this great significance on mars
0: exactly exactly and we know that john carter has been gone for about 10 years at this point so time has passed on Basum as well and basically he comes back and is unfortunately ambushed by new martians and uh, attacked and captured and all this kind of stuff but eventually he meets up with his old pal Tars Tarkas again Tarkas has basically gone on a pilgrimage to like this holy land to try and bring back the former savior of Mars to bring back John Carter the man who saved helium and the man who traveled from a distant planet and all this kind of stuff he's basically turned into this like not huge not godlike figure but like messianic figure almost and Tarkas which is the guy played by Willem Dafoe in the first movie by the way his, his best pal, basically. He's gone on a bit of a pilgrimage to try and bring John back and has gone kind of like, well, I'm going to go soul-searching. I know John's out there. He's from space. Let's go to the Holy Lands and see if I can work out what's going on. John Carter eventually kind of gets captured by this group of, well, un- unpleasant-looking... As, as we talked about, the the, the Therns, the, uh, the, the evil, mystical, teleporting, meddling observer type people ball fucks um the 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 ball people i didn't want i didn't want to say it matt i'm glad you said it for me um that's <laughs> and they encounter some therns in this holy land and tarkus explains that the therns are basically essentially like these godlike beings that they are able to and john says oh yeah that makes sense they've traveled to my world as well they're the ones that allow me to do all this travel and stuff and they have all these mystical powers no one can explain it and they start to see some cracks showing in the therns as they're spending more and more time in their presence they're basically like they're captured in these slaves and while they're there the therns are attacked by another group of martians who live in this area known in the books as the black pirates i might want to change that name i don't like that name at all <laughs> but essentially they're they're rival kind of like mystical characters in this holy land and this is where my first piece of casting comes in where One of the, essentially, leaders of the pirates is called Zodar, which is a fucking fantastic name. First of all, that's the most Martian name (laughs) you've ever heard in your life. He comes in. I'm going to have him. He's like this big, they're all handsome, muscular, chiseled people, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what Martians look like. Apparently, Marvel heroes. Um, Yeah, they all look like superheroes, funnily enough. Um, I'm going to have him played by Manu Bennett. And Manu Bennett, for those of you who don't know you probably know him from the hobbit he is the white orc (laughs) in the (laughs) hobbit movies which is around about the same time as john carter in 2012 funnily enough he's also deathstroke in arrow which is probably the the role a lot of the the listeners will know him from and the kind of the role i probably know him from he, he is slade wilson in that series um he also shows up in the spartacus series as well um and is also one of the characters in the Shannara Chronicles, that like young adult fantasy um, series from a couple of years ago as well. Basically he's huge, he's muscular, he's handsome and he's Kiwi. That's <laughs> all you need. So he comes up and yeah, he's basically, they battle and they actually fight off the Therns and they take on the captured slaves of Tars and Carter and a, and a couple of the other Tharks and, a you know, a couple of other types of Martians and all this kind of stuff. Um, Nice bit of mixture of different Martians in there. And they meet another captain there who had already been captured, who is a slave girl. Again, this is all pretty much by the book, uh, called Thuvia. And I'm gonna bring in, speaking of people who have been in fantasy TV shows, Jessica Green, who basically the only way you will have heard of her, which is pretty much how I've heard of her, is from the outpost series which is another c um, for some reason i'm picking cw people because they're all beautifully chiseled martian looking (laughs) people essentially Um, yeah because
2: they only hire the most beautiful people on earth
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly um she's She's very very megan fox looking individual she's very megan fox looking yeah um she's the lead in the outpost which is kind of this like fantasy adventure series on the cw um she was briefly in the roman empire series as well um but yeah she's just like tall powerful looking but still very very young she's a few years younger than me um also also i seem to be seem to be sticking to oceana as well so yeah she is this like striking looking australian actress who is hopefully going to be good in some action i've seen her do some good work in in outpost so i think she's going to be good for kind of that, yeah, that kind of action female star kind of thing. Kind of what Lynn Collins does in the first one and giving a female role a bit more of a prominent kind of action stuff. Anyway, they work together um, and they identify a way out, basically, and they try and escape. But they are taken to the Thern leader, who is Isus, which is this like goddess of death character in the books. She's like this weird ancient almost like the uh, the vampires in underworld she like lives in hibernation and cannibalizes people and accepts sacrifices and all this kind of stuff she's this weird like ancient being who is literally just very very old but people basically view her as this goddess because she has been around for so long and is so kind of wise and creepy and manipulative and stuff um if i'm thinking kind of creepy and and weird and cannibals and stuff I'm going to go for Helena Bonham Carter, just to be <laughs> real weird and, and real creepy about it. I want kind of, because obviously there's some great special effects, as we said in the first one, and I think a lot of the Martians are really cool looking. You get her to be like this. She looks kind of young from certain angles, but there's moments where she looks like hundreds and hundreds of years old. And that's kind of the impression you get from this character in the book is there there's like she's kind of beautiful and then she's really grotesque and horrible in other ways so i i think helena bomb Carter could do something something interesting with that basically um and they basically work out that john carter is obviously non-believing and all this stuff and is like yeah but is she really is she just really old and he basically the the general plot of it is that he is going to unravel the gods of mars so the Therns and the, uh, the the Black Pirates, like I said, I'd probably rename them to something more interesting. Mm-hmm. He is going to be the one between him and Tarkis and a couple of other characters, who well, I'll mention in a second, would be the ones to basically unravel the mystery and be like, see, they're just Martians. There are no gods on Mars. Once again, I've kind of proven all this kind of stuff. And he basically goes against the Martian religion, which is held up by the Zodangans and all this kind of stuff. So there's some conflict there with the Zodangans um, when he returns to Helium and tries to reclaim his reclaim his place and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, that, that's that's the general gist of it. I have got an idea for... So there is a character in here and I'm, I'm sure you guys will touch on it as well. There is essentially like the daughter of one of the Therns. I can't remember if she is actually the daughter of Mark Strong's character. I think she is, and she? She's by like, yeah Sang's daughter. Yeah. Yeah, a character called Fyodor. Um I'm going to have Yvonne Strahovski again. I'm going very TV actors. Mass here. Effect time. Eh? <laughs> I know her from, know her from Mass Effect, and I know her from uh, Chuck as well. Another and, Aussie. Um, another Aussie. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, it's a it's and a yeah, wasteland uh, desert
1: planet, but, but I mean, we have one of those. It's called <laughs> yeah, Australia. <laughs> it's, yeah,
0: exactly. It's called Australia. <laughs> again, no offense um, to Australians. And yeah, Isis takes Fyodor as her like handmaiden, like female slave kind of thing and john carter is imprisoned but he battles he's forced to like battle zodar to to prove himself essentially but shows him mercy and zodar because he's defeated becomes the slave's slave and is even lower down in the ranking than john carter and zodar and john actually like start to form a bond he starts off as a kind of antagonist kind of badass kind of fighter character but him and john start to form a bond and Carter eventually leads an uprising of the prisoners, escapes from them, takes on like spurs the revolt and and escapes from them, taking the slaves with him and all this kind of stuff. While uh, all this stuff is happening, Helium is obviously in a in a slightly different state. Dejah Thoris is still there. You've got a new character, uh, like a, a new essentially replacing the Zodangans from the first one. A guy mm. called Zat Aras, who is, again, this really physically imposing, very commanding and, and unpleasant kind of politician slash battle master kind of character. And he's commanding the fleet of Zadanga and basically trying to reclaim Helium and basically trying to reinstate the religiousness of the whole thing. And that's where you kind of get the, oh, uh, what's the, you're a heretic kind of thing to John Carter. Mm-hmm. Um I would like Zat Aras to be played by one of my favorite martial arts style actors, Mr. Michael Jai White, Mm. because I fucking Mm. love me some Michael Jai White. You better believe he's going to get some kick-ass fucking martial arts. And Manu (laughs) Bennett is actually a fantastic martial artist as well. So having some Zodar versus Zat Aras and maybe even like chucking Taylor Kitchen there because... I'm sure Kitch can throw a few punches or whatever, but leave the badass martial arts stuff to the badass martial arts dudes and uh, have them battle it out. And essentially, they kind of fight it out. So the Therns and the um, and they're called they do have another name. It's like the Firstborns or something like that. It, it is, the, yes. the Black yeah. Firstborn. They consider themselves like the first, the first Martians. Yeah, they battle out. We get a big like fleet versus fleet battle where the helium side of things and the therns and the firstborns all kind of converge in this big battle near zadanga near helium and you get this kind of like oh, the gods are coming out of the holy lands like shit is going down this is the apocalypse kind of stuff and there's a lot of fear and they're all kind of like you know all the civilians go and shelter in the temples and flee and all this kind of stuff but john says no we can defeat them if we if we work together we can fight against these gods and we can prove you can make a god bleed kind of thing like the 300 thing with xerxes kind of moment where he proves that they are just martians and breaks the chain of them just you know living on top of the food chain essentially and yeah that that's pretty much where i would where i would go with it there's a big Mm. battle um eventually the helimites and the tharks and all those guys team up they defeat them issus is killed and defeated she's kind of like the big manipulating villain the whole piece and um deja thoris is able to like rule in John's stead but as having this kind of um it, again i'm kind of going back to 300 because it's all just chiseled Nine. beautiful yeah. people all the time <laughs> um the moments where you get where you get lena Headey, like debating with the politicians and shit in in sparta and being like that's not what we do here in sparta fuck off stop being a coward all this kind of stuff you get that Deja Thoris stuff of Dominic her West, being this. who is
1: the same guy in both films, <laughs> in yeah. the weasley arsehole. Exactly, <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> having having Lin Collins as, as Deja Thoris, kind of fighting back and being that strong female presence there as well, and then bringing in bringing in another strong female presence for good and for evil on both sides there as well. Bringing a di- bit of diversity to the cast. You got Michael Joe White there. He's an African American guy, mixing it up a little bit and basically. Setting up what would be then they crown essentially John Carter as the warlord of Mars. He is the one that has defeated the gods and united the people of Mars. And that is what sets up the third in the trilogy, which is John Carter, the warlord of Mars. And that is that's my brief little pitch, my little summary, which is essentially mm. yeah. the second book, which leads into the third book, <laughs> almost yeah, beat goodness. for beat with a couple of tiny tweaks and a couple of exclusions and stuff. That's pretty much where I've left it.
1: You will get this from us listeners, unfortunately, because with Dread, with Hellboy, even with Power Rangers, it's like, well, we're going to go a certain route. We're going we're to pick certain things, but the story will be original or different or, t- or take its own um, form, and that's fine. But this has such a specific... It's like saying, how are you going to do a sequel to Fellowship of the Ring? I'll just do the fucking Two Towers. It's like, I, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, but it's like, okay, well what are you taking from the two towers? What are you going to, you know, I mean, the classic point, the, in the two towers, I'm pretty sure the whole Shelob scene, uh, the whole spider stuff is in the second book, not the third book for the movie. Mm. movies, but mm. the third movie, it's, we're basically going to do some shuffling, basically. Um, there'll be the same basic principle, same basic characters, but just tweaks here and there. So, yeah, but hopefully interesting enough that it'll be different for you guys listening and things.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think in the books, Helm's Deep is like half a chapter. <laughs> yes, exactly. <yeah. laughs> and then yeah. in the films, it's like, no, oh, no, it's one of the best battle scenes of all
0: time. And like, <laughs> and like Boromir's death is like chapter two of book two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you have a character, how the fuck do you have a character death in the second chapter of the second book? That is such a clear or we're going our separate ways as as the films do mm, that is the mm. final fucking moment of fellowship is like yeah we're all gonna go our separate ways and the guy has you know the guy who would not necessarily been leading us but has been a key member of the party has died all this kind of stuff and they're like nah we'll do the funeral scene in book two because yeah, like,
1: book one's what? full like sweet sweet tom bombadil action <laughs> get it, it fucking
2: together it ronald
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh dear well um yeah like i said mine is probably of the three of us not to spoil things probably the closest to the book yes definitely. like i said pretty much give or take beat for beat from the book I, I failed to mention that obviously all the cast returns from the previous one assuming we're getting mark strong as one of the therns again uh kitch collins blah 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 blah, blah. and you bet your ass on keeping andrew stanton as well because mm. a andrew stanton is fucking brilliant as we talked about he's directed some of my favorite films of all time and secondly kitch said he wouldn't return without stanton on board because they got on really well apparently so there you go there there is my reasoning and my mini little pitch for you
1: gentlemen um do you still have daryl sabara as a random scene with ned back on earth (laughs) just
0: enjoying his wealth in new york (laughs) yep definitely just just the best the, the, the key moments of Brilliant. late 19th century new york that's what we need in fact my entire pitch is set in ni- late 19th century new york and he never goes to it's just the, the story of ned well
1: i was gonna say because yours is, hasn't got this bouncing around stuff so it's actually quite straightforward so it'd probably be a lot easier for audience because they've already got the, the opener with a john carter of mars so they would be able to go into this story my only question for you uh jack is uh, is what year would you release this It'd be a couple of years later, kind of thing?
0: I was looking at the kind of lineup of people and, and yeah, thinking my ideal would be sort of 2016, 2018. But 2016, Stanton is busy doing, of course, Finding Finding Dory. Dory. So five years later, 2017, 2018, something like that would would work pretty well. I mean... Taylor Kitch isn't do anything more important. Let's be honest. Like, he's <laughs> well, not, he's not a busy man. as I mentioned. 2016, he's, he's not got nothing Tarzan else better comes to do. out
1: and reminds people they like big action pieces, the big burly men jumping around. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that could be like the perfect. He did a,
0: um, yeah, he did a mini series in 2016 called Waco, uh, uh, set in Texas, all that kind of stuff. Mm. This kind of uh, this FBI crime series kind of thing, um, sure. which apparently is fine. And yeah, <laughs> Finding Dory comes out in. Uh, yeah, Finding is 2016 and then Stanton does a couple of TV episodes like Better Call Saul, uh, episode of Legion, all that kind of stuff in 2018, mm. uh, Stranger Things, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully plenty of time to do something. I'm thinking like a five year span. So 2012 to 2017, something yeah. like that would work yeah, quite well. Sense. Tim, and we had uh, a, a similar approach looking at the books and stuff. What is, what is your twist on the sequel of John Carter? So yeah, so my
2: film would be also called John Carter and the Gods of Mars because, of course, it would be. That's the second book. That's what you call it. (laughs) Um, I would have most of the cast come back. I'm not sure I would bring Mark Strong back because I think there is a reading of the film that he is the thern who gets killed off at the end, who... Is in disguise, uh, and and uh, oh, John yeah. Carter tricks yeah. him. I think that is the filmmaker's intent, but it also is very ambiguous because they shapeshift, mm. and so it could be any of them. So I might have him back for sort of almost uh, continuity sake, but also I'm not necessarily tied to him. But um, there's a lot of bald dudes. There's a lot of bald dudes. Yeah. So I I would obviously be adapting the same book as Jack, and I presume Matt. I would mix it up a bit more. Uh, I would f- sort of focus on having the Therns still as this manipulative force on Mars, and having the the Firstborn as another native force who is being manipulated by Issus. Who I might, I I don't know if she gets like an origin in the books. I would potentially have her as like a rogue thern, maybe um, as like a like the therns kind of let people believe they're angels, but don't buy into it themselves. And they're just kind of going around. The film sort of implies it's interesting because in the in the actual John Carter books, the Thurns are just another type of Martian who are preying on superstitions and aren't necessarily that much more capable than your green Martians and your red Martians the film makes them these shape-shifting, body-controlling, they have technology that completely reshapes the wars between the nations of Mars and all this kind of stuff, and it's implied mm-hmm. they're not even from Mars, they're from somewhere else, and they travel from planet to planet, sort of sucking the life out of them. Um, so obviously I would I would, yeah. I would, stick with that, because that's what the films have established. But yeah, there's, there's this whole idea in the film of like, oh, the therns are angels. It's like, no, they're just these alien... Aliens uh in the way in the same way that John Carter is an alien. Uh, uh. Um non-Martians uh who have shown up and are manipulating the ancient beliefs in in a way, and have Issus as one who's almost kind of gone native and now actually believes that she is a god rather than just believing she's another advanced alien kind of thing. A Marlon Brando in apocalypse now situation. It, exactly. And rather than having the firstborn as these handsome pirate type folk, I would have them as quite bestial and grotesque, mm. um, oh. as a, as a contrast to all the good looking Morx. folk. Uh, not 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 not, not that handsome bad. and chiselled like the green four armed Willem Dafoe, um, <laughs> famous sex symbol Willem Dafoe. Yes. Um, however, I would as much as they're called the the black pirates in the books. I would not have them be like particularly dark skinned because that has some unfortunate implications um i would in fact make sure that amongst the so-called red martians we had some black people on mars and i would make sure that there was some explicit anti-slavery plots uh subplots in this film hmm. just to hammer home that like yes we know he's a confederate's captain but he wasn't he wasn't a bad one <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 would be a, a priority in mine. So yeah, it would be about this kind of conflict between these two different groups who are both trying to exploit Mars and its resources and its and its population. Um and make it about John getting kind of caught up in that while he is in the conflict between the two of them while he's trying to get home back to Deja. Um, and then have it also be that the Therns are still trying to manipulate the Martians and, you know, they've they tried doing it one way with with the co- kind of almost like an open conquest. And they're now doing it a different way, kind of a, a bit like the way that Hydra tried to take over with the Nazis and then switch uh. to infiltrating shield kind of thing. So I would have Deja dealing with a lot more kind of like palace intrigue, managing this alliance between Helium and Zadanga and the Tharks. Mm. I haven't cast uh, Aras, but I think I would change him so he wasn't Zadangan. I'd have him actually be Helium person, but someone who is still Mm. like Mm. wrapped up in the idea of the war between the two of them and is kind of clinging on to that idea, even though it's like a decade later and is like, I still don't trust them and I still don't trust the Tharks kind of thing. Um, Yeah, of course. I would explain what the fuck the Ninth Raid does, um, (laughs) which is a plot point from the first one that never really gets properly explained and I would potentially in what would be a big change to what's in the books obviously have it be something that the therns are manipulating and that and that issus as a as a thern is also has control over deja is trying to understand it and has come close to engineering it and and kind of understanding it that way at the end of the film I think I would have her use it to in a way re-terraform mars and bring back some of the life to it and some of the like the water and stuff like that, which is kind of very precious on on Mars. Uh, and I would also have Kantos kan, uh, who is a minor character, a minor red Martian, uh, from the first film played by James Purefoy. He should be gay. He should be gay. He kind of plays bits, that he is gay. Yeah, there's, there's kind of yeah. bits in the first film where he seems to be flirting with, with John. So I'd just, yes. you know, I'd just have him be gay. You know what Disney will do? They'll either say no or... <laughs> Aren't we so brave? This is our first open gay yeah.
1: character. It's like, oh, fucking hell.
2: Look, look, he's in the background. He holds, he's holding hands with a man there. You, I know you can't see it because there's stuff in the yeah. way, but he is, yes, yeah. but fuck it. I, my film, I'll do what I like. Uh, <laughs> although it's not technically my film. I would keep Andrew Stanton as director for the reasons like that Jack said, basically that 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 he is passionate about this project. The cast really gets on with him. They're, like, There's like quotes from Taylor Kitsch sort of saying like, yeah, I still speak to Lynn Collins daily and I still yeah. believe in like Andrew's vision and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, they really talk like we're brother and sister now is basically where he said like we yeah. really stay in contact really and he really us. bonded with <laughs> the other members of the cast and stuff.
2: Yeah, I did have a couple of thoughts of who you could get if you wanted to replace him. Um, not that I think you should. One would be a very similar move of an animation person who has then gone on to make some good live action stuff, which is Brad Bird. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You just have to make sure there was no fucking objectivist yep. bullshit uh, in the script. <laughs> um, yeah. And the other person, which kind of relates to some casting I have, which I'll get into in a minute, was Neil Blomkamp. Oh, very um, interesting. Although he, I think he'd make it a bit too grimy. He, he would go very politics and very dark. So, but
1: yeah. that might, might not be a bad
2: thing. Might, yeah,
1: might strike the right tone.
2: Yeah. Um, so casting wise, I'd have much the same in terms of the characters that Jack introduced. Um, As Thuvia, the um, the kind of slave girl who bonds with with John uh, when they when they're captured. Uh, I would have Blue Hunt, who is probably best known. She was in the the Bad New Mutants film. <laughs> um as Danny yeah. Moonstar. Um and she's also um she's in mm. one of the CW vampire shows or like a spin-off from it that's about witches or something. A CW. Down. Yep. As uh, Zodar, uh who is from the the firstborn. Um and I would probably this would be like a, a mocap character. Uh I would have Shalto Copley, mm. uh, obviously of District Nine.
0: Speaker to Blum Camp?
2: Yep, the A Team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and chappy Um yeah. as Fidor, who is, as we said, like the kind of the daughter of I just think of him as Mark Strong, I can't remember the character's name. Um Matai Shang. Matai Shang. Um yeah, so I would have her be someone who is doesn't become because she sort of becomes an ally of John Carter in the books. She kind of falls in yeah. love with him. A um, thing. <laughs> I think I would keep her a lot more villainous, um, or at least mm-hmm. ambiguous.
0: I don't I don't mean to potentially spoil your pitch. By the end of that book, she kills Deja Thoris, or quote unquote killed. Yes. They are locked a room with Snow a knife you never know what happens. Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh yes. So I think I would I would make her more overtly villainous uh throughout. Uh mm. I would have her play by Rose Salazar. Uh Oh, yeah. mm, nice, good choice. Who's done various what things? Where she uh
1: seller from? Was she? Was she... Uh,
2: she was a Alita Battle Angel. That's why I remember her
1: name. Yes, of course, of course. So of course she's, in this... she's very good in Battle Angel. I mean, yeah. a, not a great film, but she's good in it in Alita.
2: Yeah, she wouldn't have giant CGI eyes in this. Mm-hmm. Uh would mm-hmm. normal she w- ass eyeballs. Yeah, she'd have normal ass uh, eyeballs, but a bald head, so. But Ooh, I've seen, I've seen her with short hair, and I think it would work. So, have you, know. have you seen what Fido looks like in the illustrations for the
1: books? I have not. It's hilarious. <laughs> She's got long blonde hair and basically uh, nipple pasties, and that's it.
2: That's a lot of yes. the yeah, it's
1: John Carter. Like I know, I know, but it's like it's like, like it's like oh, we got these, uh, you know, this angelic. Like, what do you got? It's like just, just strippers, all of them, everyone yep. on that planet, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> what about the Tharks? Especially the Tharks. It's when they need four fucking hands. Yep. As
2: Isis, I've gone with Laura Dern. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, nice. Like it. Who is great? Uh, she's also very tall, uh, which yeah. was, which was a factor. I was like, she needs to have this like physical presence. Hmm. Mm. And then as Kathoris, uh, who is John's son that he doesn't realize he's had because of the time difference, like yeah, while he's been gone, mm. who would be with Dejah Thoris on in 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 that kind of plot thread until they kind of meet up towards the end yep. um i have Forrest Goodluck, uh who's best known as leonardo dicaprio's son in the revenant mm-hmm. yeah um also oh, in yeah. Um, yeah, miseducation could... of cameron post i thought as john carter is so western inspired and there's the slightly problematic thing of like oh yes the red people of mars Yeah. Uh, let's um let's try and counteract that and have a couple of native american actors uh in there but yes um i think like like jack said have the whole population be a bit more diverse than just the slightly sure. slightly muddied up white folk uh who <laughs> with 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 crisp english accents uh that you get in john carter yeah but yeah th- those are those are my main thoughts i haven't kind of gone into as much detail as as jack or as I'm sure we'll get to Matt has, but those those were the things that kind of leapt out at me as as things that things to a, a resolve and and highlight. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and in terms of a year, I would go no earlier than 2018. Um, just in terms of getting Your Forest Forest Goodluck and Blue Hunt, who are two younger actors. Yes, you know they don't really kind of come to prominence around, till around then. Maybe even into the future as we're doing a. A, a sequel we'd like to see. Who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. it could still happen. Um, obviously, you'd want it before too long, so those people didn't get too old, because otherwise you're Rind. ending up with like, oh, it turns out, yeah, John Carter's took 20 years to get back to Mars rather than 10 <laughs> years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's that's roughly where I'd aim for.
1: Matt, we come to you. Yeah, I did a lot different. So <sighs> Stanton adapts, for the most part, of Princess of Mars. He updates a few things. As we mentioned before, Dejah Thoris in the film is a scientist and a princess and a fighter and a warrior. In the original book, she's not allowed to learn how to defend herself because she's a princess. And it's like, you know, and it's 1912. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that was the time. And the Martians are the Tharks, the natives or the savage, you know, monstrous beasts with multiple limbs. They're like six limbs. And you're like, okay, fine. And you've got the red Martians, the black Martians, the yellow Martians. And this sounds really bad. And oh, God, oh, God, (laughs) oh, God. and. I like how, as you say, like the idea of uh, the the Therns not just being this angelic race of beings that are possibly a legend. It's like, no, 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 no. These are actually just manipulative, parasitic. It, be- it becomes more relevant to a contemporary audience, put it that way. And it's put through a modern filter and, and, and uh, a, a prism and a lens that we can understand and enjoy it. Hence the climate change message. And like, oh, Mars is dying. Mars used to be a lush, verdant world. And then you know, they fucked it because of war. I mean said, we don't cause the war, we merely manage it. And that mm. I like that line, that kind of thing. They're just meddling people. And again, he said and he said, And you know what, Earth Man will be around long after this planet's gone and yours is gone as well. And it's like we just feed off the resources. And I'm like, Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's good. That updates it nicely. So I decided to do a few things. <laughs> First of all, Disney wouldn't make this side side as well. Like, meh. Disney lose. They just let the right slip. It goes back to the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs estate. I've decided that they decide. You know, they're like, no, we're gonna make this work. Let's let We've got something here that has got become a cult success over time. People actually say, actually, it's not too bad. We we talk about this all the time. Like, oh, people don't uh, didn't realize how good it was. We talk about it like, on the Starship Troopers episode. Like, damn, Starship Troopers was was really underrated. That kind of thing. I think it's got enough of appreciation. People might go back and maybe have a second go at it. So Edgar, Burrows, Edgar Rice Burroughs estate goes to a production company, gets the rights going, gets a film made, and Stanton comes back and says, I've got this film, I want to do it. And they're saying, yeah, we know you wanted to do two films, make a trilogy. We're going to give you one film. Wrap this up. Make one really good return to form. Um, I've decided to amalgamate major plot points from the second and third book, and completely change stuff, and go with this just huge, epic final parts. It's part one and part two. And I want to release it in 2022.
0: Fuck <laughs> off, Matthew.
1: <laughs> because that would be 10 years after 2012. <laughs> and would be 10 years and Mars. And again, the idea about the cinema getting back in, in. the same way, like, you know, we'll have this film ready. We'll nice shoot nice and early because the way we had it last time. Shooting along the same time as June. Oh god, we got to get out before June. Oh no, coronavirus has happened. Okay, we'll keep going anyway. People need a big space epic. You know what got people back to the cinema? It wasn't Tenet. It was fucking King Kong versus Godzilla. It was the you know show me monster smash. Show me things I wouldn't be seeing at home. It's really cool. That kind of stuff. So my movie is called John Carter: colon, Gods and Warlords of Mars. So a bit of a hybrid there. Uh, the director is Andrew Stanton. Um, I have similar characters, if not all the characters that have been mentioned already however <laughs> being 2022 i am definitely leaning into this whole race thing i am i am pushing hard on that um much of the same way that tim's written about having like you know that there is a notable thing that all the inverted commas red martians the um the helium the zadangans they're all white dudes mostly i mean and again there may be people of mixed race in there i don't know it's hard to tell with the red paint as it were the sort of um uh, the, the, the body makeup The bronzer but Majority Yes Majority is Caucasian And I'm like Well rather than just say There are some there as well We just didn't happen to see them In one of the biggest showdowns Of that that era. I'm like no fuck that I'm going to say that the They are segregating You know Because of the fact that They're being basically The same racist planet As Earth is In a different way And I want them To talk about it So We'll go with uh, The casting to start with So I can say Who the fuck everyone is um, And then we'll get into it As Zodar, I want Brian Tyree Henry. So we're not going for someone who's going to be rippled with muscles. I want someone who's going to be charming and and just a big personality. Mm. And but also got a terrifying presence that you feel like he could definitely kill you. I think Brian Tyree Henry is one of those Weird enough, it was between him and Daniel Kaluya. And I was thinking, no, 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 I I, I like Tyree Henry a lot. I think he's underrated. And while Kaluya has the physicality of this rippling muscle dude, I want someone like Brian Tyree Henry because he feels, if we're going to, because we are going down the road of pirates, I want him to feel like a well fed fucking pirate. Like he's just <laughs> living the, the best fucking life. For Thuvia.
2: Well, but, and uh, with- also Brian Tyree Henry's. He's in Eternals, isn't he? He's, He's... in Eternals as well. So exactly. He, he, yeah. he'll, he'll have had the Disney workout, not quite to. Um... Not to the fucking Kamal Nanjiani sort of standard. Of yes, Chris exactly. Back transition. <laughs> but he'll be
1: more svelte, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, Tim. Exactly. So Thuvia is going to be played by Grace Fulton, who was in Shazam. She played Mary. Again, young actor, so forth. She'll be shooting Shazam 2 at the same sort of time. Baidor, we have Natalie Zia, who is. From Justified and a few other things. Again, someone who's got a sort of modern Western kind of feel to a tall I, blonde.
2: When I saw that name, I was like, "I know that name." Why do I know that name? Looked her up and I was like, "Oh, it's Christine, uh from the other guys." <laughs> yes, and the film, the, the film, the other guys as well. <laughs>
1: um, as Zat Arras, I've got Misha Collins um, from Supernatural as Castiel. That's 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 what everybody knows Misha Collins yeah. as. And why Twitter have we fame. got One? Any- with all these
0: CW TV pretty actors oh, in our pitches. Uh,
1: you see, Isn't that weird? I have an answer for that. If the audience is asking, I have an answer. Uh, as Isis doing mocap, I'd have Sonia Son, who was in... She's amazing in The Fucking Wire. She's in so many things. She's a very distinct actor, really talented. Um, as I say, The Wire is one of our most standouts and most notable nodes. And Carthoris, who, as we say, is John Carter's son with uh, Deja Thoris, because of the portmanteau, Carter and Thoris. Carthoris. <laughs> um... Tannen Buchanan. Now I haven't seen much of uh, Cobra Kai, but I know he's in Cobra Kai, and I know he's I hench as fuck, and he's that he seems
0: quite talented. so I think he'd he'd go well as a as a fucking small kitch. Um, oh, he's, he's 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 um Danny, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, he's great in it. Mm. Robbie, Robbie, that's it. Robbie, he's great. Um, now the reason we've all gone with TV
1: actors as well is kind of fulfilling the pattern set out by Stanton in the first place. To keep the budget down for John Carter, he went with relatively unknown individuals, both of whom from fucking X-Men origins. Um, <laughs> um, and it's like the idea of like, no, we'll get people he thinks is, you know, he can get the right performance from. Mark Strong, Kieran Hines being, you know, more notable, but not as recognizable. Dominic West, yeah, sure. But they're not huge, huge blockbuster names. You're not paying 75 million for fucking Robert Downey Jr. Mm. to dr doolittle's way through a movie and change his accent three times you know it, it it's going to be something that is manageable so you don't you don't have the association with them in other films you have association with them in this film in theory i think of my one yeah you know misha collins is like well he's castiel I'm like oh you got like you know as you say like you know natalie zia and the other guys you may have association who they are in the same way i said oh you got fucking gambit shit shit gambit at that anyway so my story deals with a lot of stuff so We open with a Civil War flashback with a narration reminding the audience about John's part in the Civil War and the parallel between them and the natives of Mars. So we talk about the fact that, you know, John was a good man in the field. He helps, you know, you see him fighting with them against uh, rebels and yanks and all that kind of thing, back and forth. Uh, But even in the moment, he's like fighting for... His home, as opposed to the cause, in inverted commas of states' rights, or you know, which is not what <laughs> they're fighting for at all—slavery. Um, it was states' rights. It was states' rights to keep doing to keep slavery. Slaves. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, but that's the point. Is it? He's seen as an honourable soldier. He's a fighter, as has been sort of established. But the idea that he has been drawn into a fight between two people who are at odds with one another, but still countrymen mm-hmm. and kin, and that kind of shit, because it's going to be very blunt on the nose symbolism kind of stuff then john is transported back to barsoom as we see at the end of the first film and finds he has a 10 year old son but both he and deja have vanished leaving zat aris in charge of helium and zadanga as this sort of like vassal state both hybridized zat tells john that deja left for the temple of the sun in the frozen south looking for a way to bring john back uh, John enlists Tar's Tarkas to help him track his wife and child. Tar's is happy to be reunited with his friend, and they set off on the long journey. En route, they stumble across a fight between a group of pirates and the Thern, uh, two of the first races of Barsoom. We establish that. Oh no, the Thern and the the first race, or these pirates, these Onyx pirates, mm-hmm. um, as they're also known, uh, and the black. That we're going to call them Onyx pirates in this, and get to the race thing in a second. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, so, oh, these are the first the races, and, and John's I mean the races Therns. Fuck him, And he starts getting involved in the fight and targeting the third specifically while well, Tatars hijacks one of the pirate ships. In the books, there's an, I think there's a specific line where John Carter or Burroughs specifically, as the author writes, oh, he was marvelling the rippling beauty and muscular nature of these black people, but not like the black people of Earth. And it's like, oh, oh, God. It's, it reads awfully. And I want that to be a thing. Immediately when they start having this conversation, so, so the thern ship is destroyed, but John spares a female thern. Fador, and takes her as hostage. Because that seems to be the sort of calculated thing to do on this planet. You take hostages in order to negotiate things and blah, blah, blah. Carter then strikes up a loose alliance with the pirate Captain Zodar, explains he's looking for his wife and for a specific thern for revenge. So Zodar's immediately on board. because He's like, fuck yes, fuck the therns, I'm on board, and helping you out. And they have a conversation about race. They have this immediately discussion about the idea that, you know, are, are you all black? And it's like, yeah. Is there a problem with that? Like we are the firstborn of Mars. We are the Martians. Everyone is beneath us. We are the. It's it's almost like Wakanda in a way. It's like we are the technologically superior race here, and we don't bother with whatever goes on with the Red Martians and, and the Tharks. That's none of our fucking business because we don't need to. We have a problem with the Therns and we fight them. Mm. That kind of civil war fighting and the zadangans and the, it's constant. Just you know, different people. Anyway, so I would definitely lean into it, and subsequently, I would have all the cast. Of of the of the firstborn be black basically, which again I I would also hope would mean there would be lots of interesting casting and just a much more and give the film a distinct look rather than just here's the same white people over and over and over again and more white people. so you mm-hmm. know on the journey to the temple the pirates spot a pack of banth which were sort of multi legged lion things it's just you know. <laughs> Space animal, very dangerous. Attacking a group of red Martians, and on John's insistence, they intervene. So the, the, again, as I said, the initial firstborn reaction is like, fuck that shit. I don't care. It's not my problem. So no no no, we need to help them because it's the right thing to do, etc. The crew are successful and uh, and obviously in in, in liberating these people. And John is given a banth skin as a trophy, it looks like Hercules kind of thing going on. At the same time, it becomes clear that Phaedor is falling for John because of his amazing prowess and his skill and his devotion and ooh, and but you know, his just his physical prowess and, and the fact that he's devoted to his family. He's like, Wow, what a what a wonderful prize what a wonderful amazing person that i'm falling for uh has a wife that's a problem but i'll figure that one out anyway so zodar then explains that in order to gain access to this temple john has to have an audience with issus who we know from the first one was this goddess because they say by iss by issus yeah they constantly referring to her and as such tar sees this as a great great honor and john's like okay fine Virginia, this is the best thing ever. That kind of thing from will and Defoe. Say, so we must bow. Oh, tales of this will be told for years. That kind of shit. So, upon arrival, Issus meets with John, and immediately has him and everyone else arrested. To the shock of Zodai, he's like, no, whoa, 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 what the, what's going on? And we, we respected. We brought you this as a, as a, you know, a courtesy. What's going on? And in that moment, John's typical his reaction. is says, a "Fuck." He's a fucking hammer. He's a bit like Thor in that regard. So he's going to like just crash through. But Tars tries to stop him to avoid giving offense. And the process Tars is killed, which is crushes the whole sort of sense no. of the
3: movie.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Right. He says, Ah, Spider Man! <laughs> he dro- drops <laughs> to his knees like he did in Platoon. He does, and the, the squibs don't go off, so he just sort of looks a bit weird. But always <laughs> He's got his flailing. forearms flailing around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Godspeed, Spider Man. Um, <laughs> I'm it's something of fighter. a scientist myself something i'm a martian myself (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's what offends isis where hasn't been killed Uh, the group are then taken to the cells beneath the temple of the sun and while in prison discuss the religious hierarchy the civil war between the third and the firstborn based on his lie and you know it's all again it's the whole like i've seen this on my planet It happens everywhere it's the same with the Zodangans, and it's just history repeating itself we need to be better than this even on mars as well john then meets with the imprisoned carthoris he doesn't realize it's his son He doesn't realize it's his son because he's a 20 year old man. And he doesn't remember that, oh, yeah, Mars is on a very different, longer orbit of the sun, but also because of the fact that he's part Martian and part human, he's aged differently. So he's expecting to see his 10 year old boy and he meets this 20 year old man, basically, who's very hot headed, like he is, and things. But he also has the, the, the sort of red Martian look to him. Matai Shang then reveals himself to be one of the disguised hosts, who's Mark Strong's character, and he petitions Isis to release Fador. Uh, we learn that Fador is actually Shang's daughter, and she demands to see Dejah Thoris. The two then meet, and Dejah Thoris is just introduced to Fador. He's like, oh, another one of these goddamn ferns. At which point... Goddamn uh, These Goddamn therns. Fador sees this as an opportunity to kill and supplant Dejah. It's like, well, if I kill her now, then I can say, oh, no, your wife is dead, John. Yes, you're gonna have to shack up with me, nipple pasties. Um, again, the film did a really good job of saying, like, giving them better outfits. And then when she's like in, when Dejah Thoris is in the in the, the wedding attire, she says, I think it's a bit crass, but it's fine. It's politics. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, it's like nothing like the fucking books would do. Anyway, so the rest of the prisoners escape with the help of Zodar, who feels betrayed by uh that his friends and the crew were treated so shamelessly. It's like, well, fuck this. Uh, and John is reunited with Deja, who beats Fedor to a standstill. Fedor then is ashamed when John sees what she's attempted and she kills herself. Because again, in that classic way of these books, it's like, I've done a bad thing, I must atone. Don't look at me. Ugh. Kill yourself. And it's, you know, that kind of uh semi chivalrous weirdness to it. Anyway. Matai Shang then finally recognizes John and his Banth hide and launches into a rage. And obviously, he's lost his daughter and he's like, fucking John, fucking Carter. And there's a grand fight between the prisoners and the extremely powerful Therm with his his super new tech. But Shang is finally defeated. John is then properly reunited with Dejah Thoris and, you know, officially meets his son, and that's a moment. Thuvia and Cathoris, who both end the fight, by the way, immediately fall for one another. Hot, nubile teens falling in love on Mars. Zodar says that by going against Issus, he will be an outcast, but this is uh, then revealed that Issus is actually a thern who's been conning the firstborn for centuries and has been feeding off the people, literally feeding off them, uh, and Jon kills her. Um, So the idea is that, as we said before, the the thern are literally from another planet, they're a parasitic race and they've been manipulating everybody. And while the Thern is still trying to combat the Firstborn because of the superior technology sort of thing, they've been trying to infiltrate with the Isis And much like Tim would say about someone going off, going a bit rogue and going crazy and just mm-hmm. believing that they are who they say they are. So the group turned to Helium to expose the truth, but take a moment to stop to return Tars, Tarkus's body to the Tharks. John then finds a dying Sola, who's mm-hmm. his daughter, uh, played by Emily. No, Samantha Morton. Samantha Morton. Doing an accent that I don't know what it is, but I feel it's offensive. Um, (laughs) um, And John finds, you know, Dying Solar and tells, she tells him that Helium and Zedangan ships came under the flag of peace but attacked, wiping them out. So the the Tharks are gone. Because for some reason, after the third book, Barrows gets bored of the Tharks and they never come back, apparently. (laughs) So I'm like, well, okay, well, then kill them, make it mean something. So Thuvia explains that she can help and she departs with Carthoris. They they fuck off. By the time Jon gets to Helium, word has got out that he's killed the goddess Isis and obviously he's a massive public enemy number one. And subsequently a war fleet headed by Zat Aris declares Jon a heretic and a big battle ensues. Thuvia's father, Jeddak Thuvan, arrives and you'd find out she's not just a pirate who happens to be with these guys. Um, She's a Red Martian daughter as well, also a princess of Mars in a way because of the whole daughter of a Jeddak. She's just been doing her own, you know, confident no dad i'm gonna go out and become a pirate for a while fuck you i don't want to please rather than just being oh i'm a slave girl as the book usually does anyway the first born under the command of zodar arrives and it's a huge calam- you know climactic final battle everything's fucking raging it's it's madness um finally after the victory john's rule um unites the peoples or the various peoples and he's proclaimed warlord of mars and in a post-credit sequence we see a city of glass domes near the northern pole as a report comes in announcing the new warlord of mars and a mighty king, played by Travis Fimmel of Vikings Warcraft and, and Warcraft fame, yeah, yeah, with a shaved head and yellow skin, because uh, he'd be the the yellow Martian, yellow Martian, um, yeah, the north, yeah. He rises from his throne, picks up an axe, and marches to this huge, huge hangar of ships that dwarfs what we've already seen in, in the battle that's already come. So the implication is like there's more to come in a post credit sequence, maybe, but we'll see how this one does. Basically, so again, it's it's mostly two and three combined into one movie repurposing the female characters because again Deja Thoris for the entire second book is mostly absent and then mm. gets locked in a prison for a year fighting with Fedor over John. it's it's complicated because it's fucking mm. old and antiquated but i think we can do more with her character thing. i like what tim said as well about the idea of her working with the technology to find out what the um the, the ninth ray is i think she got in, in my story she'd be more distracted trying to find john and now that they're back now she would work on that and that would really mm. become part of it you know try and revitalize mars and return it to form so yes that was that would be my very very different but still kind of very similar.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's not... You were like, I didn't you were like, oh, I've taken tangent. a lot of liberties. I'm like, it's still pretty It's still close. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. People who were
1: fans of the series or the books were probably like, yeah, I recognise that shit. I can mm. see what you've done differently, but you've still got the major plot points, maybe not in the right order, things are different, you know, and mm. I think that would be the the first thing, but I, I also maintain that's what happens with the original John Carter, so, yeah. And as I said, 2022 is my ideal for that, because again, it just it would be 10 years after... And it would be fitting if they could fit that in.
0: Obviously, with everything going on in the world, mm. I think you're mad to let the rights relapse and all that kind of stuff. Because that is just a hop. That is just asking for trouble. <laughs> true, true. If you're bringing back the the previous cast and bringing back people and stuff like that, you do not want to let those rights relapse because somebody will scoop them up and make some other bullshit. And that basically <laughs> guarantees you will not get a sequel to the 2012 film, in my opinion
1: you're not necessarily wrong but i think it's it's more the sense that because they relapse and go to and this has happened in the past if it goes to a different studio and they just say can we get the same people back it depends on the experience they had in the first place and it's like you know can we get stanton back it's like yeah if he wants to make the film still sure can you get all the cast back yeah because stanton's back because as you said they still talk to one another um prime example would be something like firefly being done by fox then being done as a film by universal you know it's it's if you let that slide sometimes with if the creative people want to come back and the audience is there for it you can make the impact but again you're right it's it runs a very tight knife edge
2: yeah i think there's there's a big risk knowing how litigious disney's lawyers can be i think there would be there would be concerns over stuff like where they, where it would be like well yes you can make a john carter film but you can't make it you like if you make it your therns have to be like the therns in the book because our therns are a unique thing where they have superpowers whereas the therns in the book are nothing like that and if you make your therns like that then we'll mm-hmm. sue you th- sue you into the ground <laughs> um
0: and also stanton is a disney boy like he's he's a mm. Pixar guy, so you're not getting Stanton yeah. without Disney.
1: Mm. No, no he, not necessarily true. He's he's. I, I, think, I, think, I think he's, he's, for he's for got hiding. a
0: contract, Matthew. I'm pretty sure. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he <has>, he's <laughs> contracted under so Disney. He works on Soul for Warner Brothers. It's he he will work for who he needs to work for. That's that's TV. That's an entirely different contract.
2: Ah, uh, here's, mm. here's a question for you, Matthew. What works. do you think yes. you, What do you think you gain by having it not be at Disney?
1: Oh no, that's just more because of the timing. Because it's more just me acknowledging- and pants
0: and <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, no, Sorry, I should. That's me just acknowledging the reality that Disney didn't keep the rights; that they let them slide. That was all that was. Right. I mean, if, Dis- in, if we say for old, for argument's sake that Disney keep the rights to it, like they did with like like Tron, it's like ah, oh, property. Mm. We're keeping it. Then yeah, that's fine. I go with Disney. I won't give a shit. Disney yeah. money. But at the end of the day, it's like oh well, Disney let it slip. So Edgar Rice Burroughs estate owns it. It's not mm. like it's. Yeah, they could just sell it to the highest bidder. They could sell it back to Disney to do the film. It doesn't mm. actually matter in that regard.
2: I'm gonna uh, whatever bits that are that are in the public domain, I'm gonna take them and mash them up with uh, Great Gatsby. Now that that's in public domain as well. Wow, thought, Tim, that's that's, that's gonna be my
1: mix. Is John Carter gonna jump around saying sport all the time? Old sport. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's gonna be he. He went to Mars and then and then uh comes back to Earth uh and and then lies about how successful and he is. then and then then lies about how successful he was on Mars and <laughs> throws big parties trying to attack uh, Dejah Thoris. Tim, you're onto our winner. <laughs> I saw this is a complete tangent, but I saw when Great Gatsby did lapse into public domain and people putting out stuff like, um, The Great Gatsby, but Nick has sciatica. Um. And, <laughs> and it was like the first line of the book was like, um, I, ca- I can't remember what the, f- the first lines of Great Gatsby is, but it's like it's like Nick's dad talking to him, and he's like, never, never forget that you know there are no second I've been acts in yeah, American.
1: Mulling over some words my father told me once, like that kind of.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, blah, yeah. blah blah blah. Also, don't forget that your back is bad. <laughs> <laughs> As someone with sciatica, I appreciate that shit. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think I think between the three of us, like. I mean, obviously, because we're all working as an adaptation of a novel or novels, we obviously have a lot of common threads, and I think it's interesting. None of us chucked it out because we all we all we all were obviously very streamlined to what was and mm. what
1: is. But again, because it's such a, I think you'd a, get a well-known property. You'd get, you'd get
2: so like you'd get so many people kicking off if you did try and just yeah. chuck everything out. I think you've got to have those recognisable. You know, I think it's I think that's the reason that they did keep him be a confederate captain like yeah, because yeah. you know you would just i know there was discussion of like oh you know we'll make it a modern thing and then and then i think it was john favreau or someone was like you can't have him be a modern soldier because he wouldn't know how to sword fight and he wouldn't know how to ride a horse yes and yes, like that. That those exactly are the things right. he does on mars so yeah you but you, you could have fucking um, you could have just had him be a union soldier hunter. you know <laughs> that's what you end up with mila jovic yeah hunter. <laughs> um you know you could have had him be a union soldier but they they were like no he's got he's a confederate in the book he's got to be a confederate yeah it's as shitty as it is um so i think that to a certain degree as much as they did take a few liberties with stuff like the thurns and 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 obviously making deja thoris a more you know modern female character there's elements that you do have to stick to but i think that we've all taken a similar approach and i think you know there's there's it's interesting the things that we've chosen to kind of tweak and the things that we the the themes that we want to bring to the fore. Um mm. and um I think everyone's casting is really interesting. I think I don't think there's 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 a lot of, you know, just taking like Zodar, I think we all have three very different yeah, yeah. characters, but they would all kind of work, you know, from a certain point of view. So Yeah.
1: Or going from different sort of again we've all got we've all picked up very quickly on the kind of casting it is. You 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 don't have or maybe you're not, we're not pulling the big budget. I mean, who do you bring in as Zodar? And you're like, oh, well, obviously. Will Smith. Chris Will Smith, Chris Pratt, some giant fucking, yeah. you know, the obvious. Who'd you get as a big, you know, lovable pirate? You know, it's like, oh, well, mm. yeah, this is individual. It's like, no, we're going with, you know, people who would be realistically cast. And this is the thing mm. about doing the sequelizers, whether it's something like this or the regular season. You've got to work within the confines of credulity for what you've got as a remit. Mm. Everybody can't be fucking Johnny Depp. As I've joined, he's not highly paid anymore in that regard. But Robert Downey Jr., you know, the the, the Will Smiths of the world, the the highest Mm. paying actors you can think of. It's like, well, yeah, it doesn't doesn't always fit. Yeah, uh, And you need to get something appropriate. And getting people from TV specifically... We've all done, we all did that there, mm. very distinctly from different shows, and I think that's very interesting. <laughs> I'm, gonna,
2: I'm gonna have Cathoris played by The Rock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's it, the fucking Rock. I almost had um, the Yellow Martian played by Vin Diesel. And I thought Ash <laughs> ah, is fucking Riddick again in it.
2: <laughs> he, I mean, I bet, I bet Vin Diesel fucking loves John Carter.
1: He probably does. He probably does. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's got Riddick
2: like for, first editions in his D and D basement.
0: Well, those are our interpretations of a possible potential sequel that would never happen but a sequel that we would like to see to john carter <laughs> from 2012 if you have any ideas if you have any wacky weird ideas that completely throw out all the, the stuff from warlords of mars as we talked about the third one and uh, gods of mars the second one and in, in the in the trilogy the original trilogy of john carter books you want to see something crazy let us know hit us up on social media set us up Mm. on the discord we are sequelizers on all the social media you can find links for all the social media all the ways to contact us and the discord on sequelizers.com you can also find a link to our shop there as well and our patreon it's a hub of information i'm really interested
2: to see what people what people made of the original john carter like is it one Mm. that is becoming increasingly like recognized as like no it was actually good it just was marketed and you know it's got flaws but but there's a lot of good in there or are we these three weirdos who are <laughs> going to turn around and go, you want a fucking sequel to
0: the biggest bomb of all time? What,
2: what are I you mean, smoking? Pe- people said
0: that to us about the Power Rangers as well, because a lot of people do not like that remake, reboot, whatever the fuck that, mm, that wrong modern people. interpretation <laughs> And um, we're like, no, he's good. The cast is really good and there's likable characters and they actually give him depth and stuff. And I mm. I stand by both of those. I think John Carter is a solid movie. I think it yeah, deserved yeah. a sequel much more than a lot of the bullshit sequels we get churned out and then we mm. end up fixing on this podcast. Yeah. And yeah.
2: yeah. I mean if you if you if you wanna look at just live action Disney films from the early twenty tens, I would take a thousand John Carter sequels over fucking Alice Through the Looking Glass oh god yeah exactly
0: <laughs> That's on or the Avatar 2 through 5 you know? oh fucking hell yeah yeah exactly. on the list yeah. which Eventually, probably should probably. be John Carter 2 <laughs> through 5 to be if we're honest yeah. as we said earlier
1: also we any of the sequels that we've pitched And that it sounds really silly and arrogant to say this but fuck it
0: we would probably wouldn't
1: need to sequelize
0: it at all. be like yeah
1: it works it was good another, another one yeah <laughs> lovely
0: <laughs> sorted as we like to say um, but yeah Hit us up on social media. If you want to contact me, I am JLW Chambers on all the different social medias. Matt, how can they contact you?
1: Stogs, S T O G H Z. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. Tim! who's looking after your body on Earth while you're off on Barsoom, jumping about and fucking Martians and stuff, man? If it, 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 is there some sort of code to get into the tomb where you live? Is it a Twitter handle? <laughs>
2: yes you have to go you have to go to my tomb uh and and press on the letters that spell out trivia underscore lad it's really hard to get the sculptor to put an underscore in there um uh, and that will that will
0: open up my tomb which contains my body and my tweets you press tim and then you're like oh no wait He only ever spoke to me on twitter (gasps) (laughs) underscore (laughs) l-a-d there you go oh my god amazing
2: uh, yeah, so that's that's where you can find me talking about nonsense on Twitter, uh, spreading my opinions both good and bad.
0: Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you for joining us for the first of this interseason group of episodes. I'll say inter-season season, That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> interseason season run? Batch? Yeah, inter-season run. We'll go with that. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and for joining us for this interseason run. We've got plenty more episodes full of goodness and some interesting topics. I'm excited to discuss with my fellow sequelizers and to hear your feedback as well, because we're going to be uh, we're going to get some patron picks coming up as well. They don't just happen during the main season. We get some patron picks for the interseason stuff as well.
2: Also, if you are one of our Patreon supporters, there will be a vote up now for a season nine episode for you to pick a film for us to do. So go there, make your voice heard and, uh, and decide what film one of us will be fixing Obviously, we also have our executive producers. They have made their selections crazed and demanding as they may be. We'll see come season nine what they've got. We should point out that the vote for series nine, the
1: patron vote, kind of maybe sort of ties into this.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Don't say too much, but it
1: kind of does. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sneaky. I like it, Matt. Very sneaky. Well, there's a little tease for you, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you'll be back next week. And join us for more interseason goodness. Thanks for listening.